Hi, this is Joseph Arthur. Thanks for checking out Come to Where I'm From. Please support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash come to where I'm from. We are an independent podcast, and any contributions you can make are greatly appreciated. Yeah, just weird. Weird to like be out, even. Because um, kind of for the last, I don't know, 10 years or so, just been working, you know? Just yeah. trying to get getting getting out of the um that whole you know label business and just getting into recording as much as possible so just being independent yeah so in that kind of trip just disappearing from unplugging from everything you know uh-huh for like a decade uh, for a whole decade <laughs> for the most part i, I jumped out here and there what? Um, to do a couple did yeah. you like raise family or what what did you do for the last decade um we've just been recording my kids are a bit older already right how uh, old are they um my son is 28 wow yeah my daughter's 25 wow how old are you i'm 47 really yeah damn, damn. Yeah. so you had them young huh? yeah yeah Got right on it. Got right on it. <laughs> That's wild. They still count as I mean, they're kids. Like, they're not even age? kids anymore. Yeah. They're just like, peers. What's at that he talking about? Yeah. Are they just peers? Like, don't you just like talk to them? Like, just they're like on the same level, right? Completely. Yeah. I mean, and they have been for a long time, right? Um, so yeah, like the last ten years, and that my son was already eighteen, just where I was at when he was born. So you know. Um, but he's always been like good to talk to um from the time he was younger he's like been like a peer he's he's had a even like when he was like properly a kid yeah he was just, like a little peer kind yeah, of yeah honest and nice. um you know it's good he's, like completely tell you what's up and something's terrible or <laughs> tell you the truth yeah what's his name He's Jimmy as well. Oh, Jimmy? Yeah, he's Jimmy the Fourth. And what's your daughter's name? Zoe. Zoe, that's a nice name. Yeah, and she's great too. She's um, so she's 25. She graduated from Stevens in Hoboken. Is that where you live, Hoboken? No, I live um, by Teaneck area, Teaneck, Paramus, New Jersey. Oh, okay. Um, it's just it's it's right out of the city. Um, mm. And that's where you grew up too, Suburbs. Jersey, right? Yeah. Every time you say my kids, and then you say twenty-five, I just can't wrap my head around that. Yeah, and um, having a ten-year-old, <laughs> and um, my son is a doctor. <laughs> that's just wild, bro. I didn't, wasn't Does expecting it get that because I was listening to some stuff on like like interviews with you, and you talk about you know kids and i'm like oh i want to ask him about what it's like being a dad just thinking oh you probably just had kids like a few years ago and it's a new <laughs> thing and it's like no nah, it's like you just did the whole thing that way mm. yeah um that's cool and are you um so and uh, and it's uh, it's um two different I, moms yeah I'll, I'll get i'll say the uncomfortable part it's out loud <laughs> yeah it's it's uh two different moms uh-huh um that's not that i mean whatever it was it's, great it's it, not it's not it, traditional or whatever but it's like in our day and age that's not yeah that's not a shocking thing to say yeah. <laughs> that's not a shocking revelation no 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 um, not at all it, you know it's being younger 
um, there was Murphy, a there was 14 a, kids, nine wives, you know, dude, DMX, <laughs> right. rest in peace. I didn't know the numbers, so I didn't say dude, his DMX. Name, yeah. How for, many? I, I think it was 14, 14 and 10 <laughs> different. 10, 10 different. <laughs> so you know, you're in good company. All right. Well, no, he's not even, he's not even in the same league. <laughs> right, right. He's, like, <laughs> he's not even on the same <laughs> playing Planet, field, right. dude. <laughs> <laughs> that's a whole other level. Dude. <laughs> that's a, yeah, that's a lot of. A league nutty of their pro- own. That's a lot two. of nutty professors, man. It's <laughs> <laughs> a lot of yeah, a lot of movies to take care of the kids like that, man. Damn. Do you get on with the moms? Yeah, everything's great. Was it always, or did you have to work into that? Um, Asking for a friend. <laughs> <laughs> He's asking for me. I'm the friend. <laughs> <laughs> everyone everyone is a, can relate <laughs> um it parts of it um will work uh through the years and, right and um but um, as far as with the kids, we always put the kids first, right. so that was helpful. Yeah. And um, and the kids always—it was really great, actually. Like the kids always were close and um, truly like a, a beautiful existence with them. Just a lot of love, yeah, and um, understanding and acceptance, and never any resentment or anything weird like that. So, um, so yeah, as long as we we put the kids before anything between us yeah. and it take that's the challenge it, so it takes um it takes like you know mature people to do that and uh so but they were great with that both of them were great and continue to be great with that and both of them very supportive of my absence um when it when it would happen but i was oh your absence like due to like touring or just whatever yeah for whatever um, reason yep um, but when I was home, I was always with them. Yeah. And um, yeah, it was a it was a really really great time, um, beautiful time. And um, as you know, it's it was scary at first, naturally, but then yeah. you just embrace the the um, the other side of it, and um, still scary, just bringing anybody into this world. Yeah. True. But that aside um it was it was so great you learn to um put other people truly before you before yourself and uh it's really rewarding doing that with the kids um because it's a part of you and um and you see you see the work that you're doing um really working with them and that's pretty great um so really awesome time those years when they were young and you know sometimes trying you know whether it's financially or um just trying to divide yourself yeah but like the the real stuff with them just i would do it over and over and over and over again that's awesome yeah if i if i had if i had the the um you know the finances to do it and like a way to properly do it because I, w- when they were younger, I, 
I wasn't really touring or anything like that. I didn't, you know, I didn't get into professionally doing it until I was around 23 or 24. Um, and then it took forever to make a first record. So I still, for another four years or so, after having some money and being able to take care of them, I was still home every day uh, while their moms were working. So I, I got to... To so really you to raise them, yeah. To, mostly my son, um, and then on the flip side, once he was kind of um, in high school and you know doing really well and really becoming a like a, a cool, solid human being, um, I got the chance to go back and spend a bunch of years with my daughter's mom. And then kind of spending a lot of time with her, living together and like that. So I did get to, oddly enough, somehow divide, you know, certain chunks of years, which was which was pretty cool. And do the kind of nuclear family thing for a little bit as well. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. There's a lot of experience you got for a 47 year, because 47 is still young. You know, it's like you're still you in your you're still in your so. prime. Let me ask you this though. It's like you're you're you're. Your son is a doctor, so that's kind of a different mindset as to probably as to you. So, like when you guys hang out, does he kind of like look at you like you're the sort of like wayward one that he has to guide, or yeah. is there a little of that energy going on? Or is yeah, it, that that began like uh, when he was thirteen. <laughs> you're not cool, Dad. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Um, he was still. He was um, he was around so much music, right? Um, because I was able to do it, I always had um, a space where we lived, like an entire rehearsal space and recording space where we lived. That was always kind of my priority, so I, I'd build out that space. So, um, you know, his bedroom was literally right next door to like entire drum sets and mm -hmm. all the gear and PA systems and that kind of thing. So. Early on, he was kind of around it, and then he got this mindset of just like really fighting it. Like, I don't want to hear anything about music. I don't want to know anything about yeah. it. I don't. So um, he was really into sports and baseball and, and that. So, but then you know, once once he decided he was going to be a doctor, then his mindset really changed about things. He really tightened up as far as his political views and. Um, you know, economic views and social, all sorts of things changed once he decided he was going to be a doctor. And it, I think it drastically went to one side and now I think he's kind of loosened up a little bit and seen that, you know, certain ideals um, about like, where you, you know, maybe people think they're supposed to be like and that following a certain path. Um, I think he's starting to see another side of it and uh, but yeah, definitely, it's a whole different view. He he plans things out, mm -hmm. not like me. Um, yeah. So um, I wonder how much of that stuff is like birth sign stuff, like because it's like seems like Virgos are always really organized, and then like I'm a Libra, so I'm just all over. Yeah, them. same. And are and you he's, a Libra? And he's he's a Virgo. Yeah, that's so crazy and that some, I said that. Yeah, some of my favorite people in the world. <laughs> like. But it is true though. Like I feel like so much of it is like star sign stuff. 
Yeah, I agree. You I agree you're not because supposed it's, to believe in that, or it's satanic to believe in it. I guess. But you know, it, <laughs> I, I don't know. I couldn't. I couldn't not believe in it after a while of just like seeing yeah, the see constant. So does he yeah. play an instrument, or he completely went away from? He music? does. He, he does. does. Yeah, and um, he immediately had really um, a good feel and good timing on the drums from the time he was like five years old. So I'd kind of, you know, push him to go back there and do it. And he would reluctantly play. I have these great videos of him playing and completely angry about it. Just like. <laughs> you're being like a baseball dad come on man you're doing great he's like i hate this stuff. i just got this foot drum this francis foot or no it's called farmer foot drum do you know this thing dude it's insane man it's it's a kick it, 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 this one has like seven pedals and it's like oh thank you so much do you want a coffee or something um you know i just had espresso and coffee would be great if, if it's not too much trouble no, yeah this is like a thank kick, you a kick drum a snare and a hi-hat and i'm like just relearning i feel like it's like when i first start what is like first started messing around with looping and stuff like i'm like oh my god there's a whole new way of doing this let me ask you this how often like because you've been doing this a long time you know like pretty much similar to me i think 92 yeah oh even maybe a little longer years, I guess. Yeah. yeah so um do you get those phases where you're just like, it's all completely new again and you get a yeah. complete new inspiration yeah. to go forward? Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's happened with a bunch of things. Looping was one of them, mm -hmm. you know, years ago. And, um, but yeah, always, always looking for, for that. Um, so that's, I used to buy a lot of guitars for that reason, just because every mm -hmm. new guitar seemed like it wrote, a new song yeah at least like 10 songs come yeah. out of every guitar at least <laughs> that's minimal <laughs> yeah. but you're saying so that that kind of opened up another yeah. wave of being excited again it's interesting that equipment can do that too like that like you know you can go to the music store and get something and like a pedal or something and you yeah. know like it, it can it you know it has the potential of like i mean like i you know my bloody valentine mm-hmm I asked Kevin Shields, the the main guy, uh, about how he got that sound and like what was his inspiration. He goes, "Man, I got this guitar with this crazy tremolo bar, and I just wanted to do bend everything because." And then I was like, "Hey, everything is bending all the time mm -hmm. in that stuff. It's all bendy." So anyway, that so I, and I heard you talk about the four tops and Olivia Newton John, and I like I love the four tops and. When you talked about Olivia Newton-John, I was like, "Yeah, I like Olivia Newton-John too." <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, how how did you get started in music? Um, I guess um, being younger, um, used to roller skate a lot. Uh -huh. Still do. Still, yeah, still love roller skating. I don't roller skate anymore, but I used to go to the roller arcade. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, and it was music oriented, hauling oats, mm -hmm. big country, all that kind of yep. stuff. Yeah, always 80s, just tons of music getting in there. Yeah, yeah. Um, so a lot of roller skating, and then that kind of turned into break dancing. Uh huh. And then people um, kind of um, egging me on to you know to entertain, you know. I was, boring old story of like yeah put them up in front of the family and 
make him do things, you know? So, um, break dancing and stuff like that to music like started to make me really feel connected to it. Mm. And, um, yeah, I just was like wondering like, where, where to take that first step. That was the whole thing. Like where, where's the first step into actually doing it? Like, where do you begin? You start with lessons or so, um, I guess my sister's ex-husband, um, he was around the house and he was playing guitar and he was, he was actually a really good player, but something about uh, hearing him sing his own songs, you know, like mm. putting his thoughts into the song and then and seeing it come to life kind of got me right away. So, um, you yeah, know, when I was like 13. Yeah, that's huge out. when you're that age, when you see somebody else doing that. It's like a big deal. That was everything the, yeah. right there. Like, oh, yeah. so I can, I can just like channel what I'm feeling and everything into into that that's pretty cool yeah so that, that's been the main thing i you know I, I had brief moments and i still do of like getting excited about crazy kinds of playing and all that but it's always just been mostly about just cutting like into that nerve like where is that at mm -hmm. exposing that uncomfortable mm. thing you know and and what i'm feeling to you know somehow form a connection with somebody else that hopefully is feeling that or or often um thank you very much this um this should be interesting what the coffee well i just had espresso which is great i and, drink a um, lot of coffee yeah me too it's uh it's really good <laughs> it's not bad for you apparently it's okay you were one of four, right? Did any of your other siblings well, go into music? Um, well, sometimes I like to say one of five. Um, well, yeah, what, sometimes, what's, what's but the, the truth is, it's one of six. One of six. Damn. <laughs> um, Are your folks still together? Um, they're not. Um, my mom passed away about. I think it's maybe. Oh, 11 years ago, I think. Sorry. Um, and, um, yeah, but they they were on and off through mm. the years. Um, What'd they do? My dad, uh, he worked for the telephone company for, you know, New Jersey Bell. Became Bell Atlantic, and then now it's Verizon. Uh -huh. So he worked there through his entire, you know, raising us and all that, and retired from from bell um and then i actually i went on to work there briefly that's, oh, really? a, that's a yeah it's another story we'll we can get into that's a wacky one because this it's tied into everything with, well, well, go ahead what happened how did that happen well um so just i'm 23 at this point i have two children two different moms i haven't gone to college or anything um did your parents give you shit for having uh, two kids at that point with two different moms, or were they supportive? Not really. They were supportive. That's awesome. Um, so they're uh, nice people, huh? Yeah, just really completely about um, being excited about the children and, and loving them. It was such a such a blessing. That's nice. Yeah. My mom was great with, with both of my kids. Um, so they weren't necessarily giving me any... Um, 
pressure about the kids or anything like that, but it was starting to heat up. Like, what are you doing? You know, um, like what's going on? So I had, um, I worked at a flower place in Jersey delivering that my, my friend is a guitar player from the Cycle Sluts. Um, he hooked me up and gave me a job and I, I did that briefly. And I mean, I worked a ton of jobs. I was always working. I, I wasn't like, um, considering around much, but I was always working. Um, but, but they wanted like, you to get something a bit more established with benefits solid, or something like exactly, that. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So the weird timing of it was that my dad had said, you know, they're hiring at at Bell, um, but it's it's for a different position, different than what I did because he worked outside and I, I could just could never do that here. Um, Why? Uh, just the cold. You didn't I, like cold? I, yeah, I can't. <laughs> like, yeah, I immediately just... You're not in the Wim Hof and cold showers and all that kind no. of stuff. No, <laughs> no, but you know, I thought about, I thought about like tackling it with that, like you know, it's to get over it. Yeah, I don't want to go off of it on a sidetrack, but it, it, it's uh, it's something really cool to check out. We'll go back into it because I've I've been way into it lately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. I did it today. Yeah, yeah. And on my um, my buddy Rick, like literally, would just like ice baths, ice stuff. baths, and yeah. Stuff. yeah. It, it stops being cold after a while. Yeah, like it becomes something else. <laughs> yeah, when mm. you when your limbs go numb or something. Yeah, I don't know. It just becomes something else. But if you couple it with the breathing thing, the mm-hmm. Wim Hof breathing, it like to me, I, I do them both simultaneously. I don't just go in the cold shower and just sit there. I like do the breathing, so it kind of facilitates like the bre- the the coldness gives energy to give to go into the breathing. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but uh, makes sense. So, so there's a position there, but it's not outside. Yeah, it's you know, it's it's more um, like in the office. It pays pretty well, but it's um, it's diff- it's more difficult to get that job. The um, you know the hiring rate is is pretty low, and then you go into training, and then the um, you know the the passing rate is pretty low like eight of us went in two of us came out mm. and the other person that came out was a former school teacher so that's kind of how intense it was and you um, got so you got it so i got the job um congratulations i feel like <laughs> i feel like high-fiving you even yeah though that, even though it was a long time ago so what <laughs> it did feel good to get it. yeah it seems like it um put that on my resume <laughs> hey man um, so what happened was I was supposed to go to, I was supposed to go to Memphis with Buckley. Jeff Buckley? Yeah. Oh, wow. He was going down. Is this when he passed away? Like, yeah, this, that's why it's, it's a whole thing. Oh, and then, and the real story, wow. like, it, friends? Get, it gets twisted around and there's like all these different, I don't even like bringing it up much because people Cause just, you don't like the Jeff. I, I actually wasn't going to bring up Jeff Buckley because I sensed it. I was listening to a different interview. Somebody brought up Jeff Buckley, and and I could just tell. I was like, okay, he's sick of that. And I get that too because I get Peter Peter Gabriel, even though I don't really care either. Like whatever. Yeah. And there is a relationship between you and Jeff. It's like, I mean, I don't think you were overtly influenced by him or anything. And maybe that's the thing. You're like, I'm not. You know, it's like we kind of came up at the same time. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, it's the Radiohead thing too. It's like they, they get 
tagged with the Jeff Buckley thing, or Chris Martin's called them out on that same thing one time, like saying, "Hey, we bu- we all like Jeff Buckley," sort of thing. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, but it's a sound. It's like a thing, or it was an intensity of that time, and some people could do that thing, and you obviously can. Yeah, I think there were a, a, just a few of us that were probably influenced by the same things as well. Right, Zeppelin so, and all yeah. that. I heard you say that. It's like, that's true. Zeppelin, Freddie, the soul stuff. Yeah, and it's also okay to be influenced by your peers. I mean, that's also okay. It's it's okay if you get some influence, you know, as long as you're not like doing like a, I'm trying to be you type of thing. Yeah, yeah. Which, and, that's the, yeah. and that's like where it got weird because that was so far from truth i tried to avoid it mm-hmm. everywhere i could because yeah. the truth is is way way more interesting than what anybody wanted to make up and that's part of why i get annoyed by it because they say so you were you know we hear you were jeff's uh roadie his guitar tech and i'm like no ah. because what happened um there, there are a lot of layers to it but the reason why that one bothers me is because that was a rumor that people at Columbia started because I I didn't sign with them and I signed with DreamWorks. So uh, to take the wind out of your sales. Yeah, they were just saying, "Oh, he was Jeff's roadie." Oh, that's right. That's messed up. Yeah, and they're powerful people. They were all the top people at Columbia. Imagine powerful people lying about an agenda. <laughs> Can't imagine it. What when else is that sort of thing happening? So yeah. what were you to Jeff? <laughs> For those of us that don't know. I You were just buddies? Well, Here's here's what happened. So yeah, go to we're going to Memphis with Jeff. What's, what's a friend it? of mine um, asked me. He said, "Do you know Gene Bowen?" And I said, "No." I know Gene Bowen. Um, what is it called? Uh, road recovery. Road recovery. <laughs> yeah. That's how I know him. Yeah. yeah. And he was Jeff's guy. Yeah. Right. And my manager. All right. Okay. And so that shout out Gene. How's he doing? Do you, you... He's doing well. Okay, shout out Gene. He's doing well. We're still friends with Gene. Then. Yeah, Gene Bowen, okay. Jack Bookbinder. Yeah, they've, they've, yeah, yeah. Um, so a friend of mine said, asked me if I knew him, and I said no. And he said, "Oh, Gene would really love you because at that time in my life, I was, I didn't drink or do drugs or anything, and I was really um, a reliable, hardworking person." for if, if anybody needed anything it was i wanted to be that so person wait, for them don't do drugs you become more reliable <laughs> maybe that's been the issue then they taking notes over there like, on your phone? asking for a friend then <laughs> then then it seemed to work no i'm actually totally sober right now i don't even smoke weed anymore i quit but only recently, by the way. So it's not like I'm high stepping over here. Well, how do you, how do you, uh, do you, do you feel good? You feel yeah, good? Now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just do CBD and coffee. That's it. And I'm feeling, feeling better. Yeah. I good. was, I was on this Kava Kratom thing, mm-hmm. dude. It was insane. Yeah. Anyway, I keep interrupting. Let's keep, but that's, staying. you know, I, ultimately it's whatever, whatever's is working, working for, you. for you, you know? Yeah, yeah. So no, I've had times, if you it's know. working. And like the microdose thing, I did that a lot, which mm-hmm. t- sometimes, t- if you microdose enough, it's just, you just need a whole hit of acid again. Like, <laughs> like it just becomes a whole hit is a, now a microdose. Like, <laughs> it builds, it builds up to that. I'm microdosing. Give me three hits of acid. <laughs> it happens sooner than you think. If three days in, you're like, okay, I need, a, I need five hits. Okay. Uh, I'm joking around. Anyway, but so. Ish. Yeah. Ish. <laughs> So reliable, Jimmy. Uh, so yeah, so you're being reliable. At, at least then, yeah. Um, you know, I just I had my kids, and I 
I played with groups of people for years, and some of my friends had OD'd and died. And yeah. So I was just, I had a thing about being in a certain environment and having my kids in a certain environment, and I, I wanted to raise them that way. So um, I, you know, I, I learned like I needed to look in the mirror and really become a better person and change a lot about myself because if I was going to tell them to do something that I wanted to show them that that's what I did as well. Mm -hmm. So um, it, it, it made me so much better than it really did having my kids young. Um, so that brought me to Gene Bowen. And so a few things had come up around the city where Gene would say, um, okay, we got... Oh, so it was because of the road recovery that you well, met it was, Gene. It was all bef before road recovery. Ah. Gene, Gene... Oh, just like in the room. Yeah, Gene was able... Gene was kind of able to get road recovery going. That was his passion, but he was able to get it going after kind of like I signed my deal. And he was, uh, you know, he was my manager in that, during that time. So we went out and everybody was trying to sign me. Uh -huh. So you know, it was, oh, so it he was, made he it made was, some money. It was it was a good time for him to be connected to all these other people. Hey, you want to sign Jimmy and talk to you about road recovery? Uh, okay. it, it was it was he networked it. It was beneficial for for him and That's road recovery, cool. and and I was happy that it was. Yeah, no resentment or anything absolutely. like that. Super happy that it's good karma. because it was his passion, truly his passion to do that. It, it really meant something to him and it was important. Yeah. And I was happy to, and still am happy to do anything, anytime for them with that. It's good karma, for sure. So basically what, the truth of what ha just happened was that I had moved some gear around the city for Jeff. And um, showed up on time. I got it done. There was no <laughs> weird stories about this happened or that happened. No excuses. And I, I built up you know, a, a period of time where they knew that they can rely on me. And Jeff went into this, uh, into this studio in Sony Studios to record some demos for the next record. And he gave a list of... Uh, my letters to the sweetheart, the drunk. Yeah, what? yeah. He was just starting that and they were trying out uh, new drummers and stuff. So Jeff gave a list of guitar pedals that he wanted to Gene and said, I really want these for the session. Gene gave me the list and said, can you do me a favor? Can you, you know, run around and find these pedals for Jeff? And I said, sure thing. My thing with Jeff at that point was, to be completely honest, um, my daughter's mother introduced me to his music. Mm -hmm. And just like any young, um, ambitious artist would be, as I've talked to James Hall about this, we both were kind of like... Shout out, James Hall. I was this... And by the way, me too. I had a girlfriend introduce me to his music, and I was a bit like that too about so, it. So, yeah. Course. So, my first thing was like, <laughs> okay, well, this is what we're doing. Yeah. This is... We're doing the same thing. I guess he saw me playing around Manhattan, because we played everywhere in the city for wow. for five years. We, we started in, in the city in around 89 yeah. playing, and then... Like, well, like went hard, hard, like nonstop for five years everywhere, yeah. like everywhere, CB, scrap bar, anywhere in, like you can think of that we can get into. We did it, dance interior over CB's and over the limelight, gallery. gallery, like clubs that would be clubs for two months and then gone and then brownies, all this stuff. Yeah. And um, I never played trance. I never played trance. Okay. I did. <laughs> 
With the um, column in the middle there. Cat Club. By the way, though, too, the bank. I, like, I, I was doing the whole thing like Jeff Buckley kind of thing, but I didn't sound anything like that, so it was easy for me. It was just more just, <laughs> just straight jealousy. <laughs> like, it wasn't like... High <laughs> 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 five. So go ahead, though. So keep going, so... Um, so you felt like he had seen what you well, were yeah, to, or was first, influenced by you. At first, I felt like, you know, because we were playing kind of more aggressive music um, with this falsetto on top of it. Right. And I was just kind of doing that because I didn't want to, I didn't want to sound like heavy metal. So if I knew like if I needed to get to those notes, I, I was just thinking about like soul music mm-hmm. and or Freddie. You know, and just like okay, I'll just hit it in falsetto because I don't want I don't want to be like right. So to me, sounded nicer. Yeah. So for a while during that period, people were confused about what we were like. What is this? Right. And um, so when I heard Jeff doing it, I was like, my first listen. Funny enough, here's what happened. So people say like, oh, you were Jeff's guitar roadie. The truth is. I left and I went on the road with my friends that I grew up with. My my daughter's mom, um, her brother is a singer for a band called Trickster. And they were um, like a hard rock at the end of like the 80s glam. I remember them. I was at, I think I was at, I think I met them at the NAM show. Oh, in, yeah. In LA, yeah, right? You would have done, right? Perfect sense, yeah. <laughs> they had curly hair, somebody yeah. did, right? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Sounds familiar. And, I, I remember them. I think I hung out with them. Yeah. <laughs> and all they're all a riot. Like, they're, yeah. they're like... I think they're cool. My family. Yeah. Um, but Shout I, out Trickster. But I was That's doing... That's so funny, dude. That was in 89 I met them. At yep. the NAMM show. That makes perfect sense. Yep. Yep. Okay. Yep. Um, so... Growing up, same thing, growing up around them and seeing them become starting to become successful, I felt like, well, I got to do something different than that. Mm-hmm. But I still really love them as my, my buddies. So in like 94, I felt like, okay, I need, a, I need a break from hearing my own mouth, my own songs. I'm just so sick of hearing my perspective. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just felt like I want to go absorb so much music. There's so much I still don't know about. And, and I need to go back. And I feel like if I'm going to move forward and create anything worthwhile, that I need to go back and just absorb so much. So I just did that for about a year. And in that time, I actually went on the road. And I was a, I was a guitar tech and basically ran all the gear, drove all the gear, um, set everything up, did all that um, for Trickster. So if I was to sound like anybody for being their roadie, it would be Trickster. Mm-hmm. Not like I hung around Jeff and then like I said, okay, I'm going to do that. Um, so That's humble. When I left, and that's also how I know James. James Hall? James Hall. I didn't, from I the didn't... same mindset of, um, my mindset was just that um, like real blue collar, yeah. hardworking stuff. You're from Jersey. Help, you know, we help each other, the band. So it's like, yeah. I, love, I love Loadout. It's, yeah. That's always, to me, like most exciting time everybody's charged up like come on come on let's get it out Mm -hmm. so um i've always been that way so i was really happy to go do it with trickster i needed to just um get out of my own head my own perspective and absorb other things and even if what i needed to to absorb from them was to learn how to laugh and and enjoy myself what are they doing now are they they're not together now are they they're not fully together as as that group um 
I just talked to PJ, the bass player, this morning before mm. before I came. That's so um, That's crazy. He's doing some shows with Eric Martin from Mr. Big. Okay. And he also is now he has a couple of solo records out. Uh, that's a bass player, so he's singing and he's got some stuff out. And uh, the guitar player, he's um, he's done a bunch of things, jumped around. He played with he's he plays with Def Leppard here and there, like um, I think Vivian Campbell. I know Vivian Campbell. I did a guitar tech with Vivian Campbell when I was in high school still, because I was like a flashy bass player. That's how I started. Uh, yeah. So how do you know James Hall then? So basically, just having this this kind of attitude about like yeah i'll get it done i'll help that's just what i did for jeff i just helped out right Uh and one one night like getting to meet jeff and we were talking um it was the sony studios thing those pedals i couldn't find all of them in new york city like that list of pedals that Jeff wanted for that session. Which ones they were? Yeah, it was a whammy. It was a, a whammy. It was a whammy, and I, I can't remember if it was specifically a whammy, not a whammy two, or a whammy two, not a whammy. I don't remember. Right. It could have been a whammy two, but the original whammy is the one that's like the Tom Morello whammy, right? Or is it the whammy two? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's what I can't. That's what I can't remember. Okay, so you couldn't find the whammy. So I left the city. Yeah. I called all over Jersey, found one down in Sam Ash, down Route 22, wow. raced down, got it. You know, it was like after the rush hour and all that stuff, I get back into the city. I bring it into the studio for Jeff. I said, I got the pedal. I'm sorry. I hope it's not too late. And um, and he was in the session. He came out. He was drinking some wine, and he just kind of stood there looking at me like, What's with you? Like he couldn't believe that I ran you all over to get that pedal for him. And that right then and there began my relationship with him. But I was standoffish at first about his music because, like I said, but on that trip with Trickster, I just listened over and over. And by the time we got from Jersey to California doing shows, by the time we got to Los Angeles, I remember going, oh, my God, this is so good. Yeah. Holy cow, this is so good. Right. So my... My thought about that was, I'm so happy that he's doing it. He's better than I am. Right. So anything that I can do to help him, right. I want to do. Wow. So that became my my goal. And um, so that didn't really end up happening because his manager, um, this guy Dave Lurie, okay. found out that I also sang. Uh-huh. And didn't, because didn't want you I didn't tell it. I didn't tell them or anything, and then he heard me sing. He came to hear me play, and he said, "You got to be fucking kidding me!" Right. <laughs> and he said, "We're taking you on right away. We're managing you." Um, right. He had this um, immediately. Like I did a show at the Continental, and he brought somebody down from Sony, from Epic, and um, he said, "She said she'll give you a deal like tomorrow." Right. And so that's huge, man. So then the basically what happened was Jeff was going down to Memphis. He wanted me to go with them mm-hmm. um, just because he liked having me around. And at that point, how much time had you spent with Jeff? Not a lot. Not a lot. Not so a lot. this was kind of a, still a new fangled relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so not a lot at all. An He's, evolving thing. Yeah. Um, but, um, Interesting. Th- but there definitely was like a, you know, we hit it off. So, you know, his last show... But there's also, like, this, like, obviously, like, you're kind of, like, looking into each other, like, almost looking at some sort of weird cosmic mirror in a way. 
yeah sort of thing yeah because he took yeah then like a you know a liking to me where he would just the last time i saw him he it was the night before he left for Memphis and he did a show at Arlene's Grocery. It yeah. was like February 8th or something. That's crazy. And it must have been, I mean, because he was already huge. It was empty. When he played Arlene's Grocery? Yeah. Because, that's a, that's because, what I always go back to. Because nobody knew? Just because, yeah, he was so, he was so low key about so much and he just kind of loved that shit to just go in and play a show. And, okay. Uh, yeah. um, but it was cold out. And he, I remember he came in crazy. and I was just like, I had my back looking at the stage and he came in behind me and came up and grabbed me and put his arms around me. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's the last time I saw him. But that was kind of my just connection with him early on. That's how we hit it off. Um, so the, the story goes like this. I, I was supposed to go to Memphis with him that Monday, mm-hmm. drive the stuff down and go down with Gene. I couldn't go, so I sent my best friend instead, my son's godfather. They went down to Memphis, and um, and he's very much like me, my buddy. So same thing, wanted to please Jeff. Jeff wants his pedal. And and Gene is more like, you know, he's had the job for a bit of time. He has a certain relationship with Jeff, and he's like, whatever, whatever. Like, he'll get whatever they have. And my buddy Race was like, no, this is what he asked for. Mm-hmm. And so I think there was this thing where Gene was kind of annoyed with my buddy Race. I had to. St- I didn't go because um, Verizon called me and said we want you to start Monday. That was a clinch. So I was supposed to go to Memphis. Now I finally get this job offer, wow. and they want me to start on this day. So this is February. Right, it was a good job. Ninety-seven. It was a good job. So we decide as a team. February ninth, ninety-seven was the show at Arlene's. By the way, yeah. Wow. The whole show's available on YouTube audio. Wow. For anyone who wants to listen to I'm, that show. I'm going to listen to it. That's crazy. It's, a, it's the night he debuted his drummer, Parker Ki- Kindred. 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 Yeah. Um, so just the timing was bad. And I'm like, oh, man, I really want to go to Memphis with him. I got to start this job. They said they wouldn't hold my position for me. So we agree as a team, it's best. Let Jeff go. He'll be okay. You, it's time for you to start your career. Focus on rehearsing the band. Get songs together. You got the benefits for your children. Just take that route. And that was really good for, for those months. It was really good knowing that I had a solid job and the benefits and mm-hmm. that I had a strong management team that um, felt like, okay, yeah, they can really make yeah, this happen. Things make are this going happen. great for you, it sounds like. like yeah. Great job, but also this budding music thing with huge deals popping up and yeah then, the guilt went away of like feeling like i'm not providing oh of course it should have done for my that, kids at that point yeah for sure um and how old were you right then early 20s? i was yeah i was 23 and jeff was what like 26 27 jeff so? i think was like, probably maybe 30 30 yeah yeah, yeah. at that so point he was like an older brother then probably at that point yeah and and um when did he pass away so it would a few months later, this is exactly what, what happened and why it's so intense. Um, Gene's going back down. I've been at the job for four, mo- four months, and I need six months to get any time off. I get two weeks off in July. Gene says, I'm going down to, um, to Memphis. Jeff really wants you to come. By the way, I played him some of your stuff, and he's freaked out that that's you because I didn't tell Jeff that I sang or anything other. Um, so 
he said, he really wants you to come down. And I said, July, July, tell him I'll come down. I'll, I'll hang out for two weeks. And I said, why don't you take race again? He said, I'm not taking him. I'm, I'm taking Keith. So he's going to take this guy, Keith Fody. Um, I was concerned about it. In all honesty, I said, why? Because there's a certain feeling of, um, like I've watched for years, like people who are um, really like gifted and driven and who have potential and then other people who like to hang hang around them and bring the worst out of them. Ah. Yeah, I've met a few of those. So I've it, sort of leaned into a few of those yeah. too. <laughs> yeah, me too. And then when there was none of those around, I went out looking for some of those. <laughs> Same. Yeah. yeah. So, so so this guy, you were a little bit concerned. That I was he concerned was about. He was he was a nice enough guy, but he just seemed like he wanted attention himself, mm-hmm. and I felt like at that point I had truly truly fallen in love with jeff's music mm-hmm. and um i've really really cared about him and i wanted i just wanted him to do well mm-hmm. it was you know nothing beyond that it's i'm not uh you know guys are not my thing um so it was nothing like that i just truly believed in him and felt like oh man i, I want to help this guy um so i was concerned and so basically what happened, Gene goes down at maybe Tuesday or so, gets to Thursday. Um, Jeff and Keith leave the house where Gene gets to, and they go down to the river and, you know. That's crazy. Playing their boombox or something like that. That's what I heard. So A whole you- lot of love. Jeff's like doing the backstroke. Some wave comes is the story. Keith turns well, to, move, to move the radio. Right. I, I think that's the that is the story, but it just you know, may, um, supposedly is not the, the emotion I'm feeling as much as it's just like frustrated. Like, why do you, why do you smoke pot and jump into the Mississippi river with your, with your jeans on and your boots? Like, like, what are you doing? Like, how do you let that happen? It doesn't really make sense. Yeah. Like, how do you, why do you let that happen to your friend? Like, how do you, I don't know. It's just foolish. Like, it's not like, you know, I don't think it was malintent, but it's just like that's what I'm talking about. About the idea that, um, you know, my buddy Race would have known. He would have said, "Yeah, yeah, you can't, you can't go in there with your boots on or your pants." Or right. So we, Race and I, we have a lot of emotions wrapped around all of it of like what could have been different and what we could have done. So that's our personal story, and we really, really loved him. Yeah. We really did and believed in him and wanted the best for him and were crushed. Like crushed. Like it destroyed us when when he died. Destroyed a lot of people, even those like us that didn't know him that mm-hmm. you know, I don't even know if I ever met him, so And the the, the thought thinking that we could have changed that somehow weighed heavy on us. So the flip side of it was that this is Thursday night. He disappears. Friday morning, we get a. I get a page. I'll show you the, the time that it was on my page. I called call the office right away. Fun Palace. Jack Jack Bookbinder. Gene Bowen's their their management office. At that time, it was Dave Laurie's management office. But call in. 
Jack talks to me. Jeff has disappeared. Um, it's it's kind of happened before, so we're not we don't want to be alarmed. Wait, but I, I got to I got to pause though, right there, because what, what do you mean he disappeared? If somebody saw him going to the Mississippi River with boots on, I mean, like, yeah, maybe Jeff didn't know there's crazy undertoes there, but that's not uncommon knowledge. Most everybody knows there's crazy undertoes. Like a lot of people know that. Yeah. So like. And like, you know what I mean? So it's like, how, I think he was being how, cautious how? with his language to me. I see. Um, okay. So okay. that, that makes sense. So that I didn't, you didn't freak out. Yeah. Well, it wasn't I, immediately announced in the media that he had drowned or it took a few days for that to come out. To fully, um, <sighs> to like to fully accept it, uh-huh. it wouldn't be until the following Wednesday when they found his body. I I came into the city to meet with his mom. She came into the... My daughter's mom picked her up from the airport, drove her to... My daughter's mom drove Jeff to the airport to take him to Memphis. Memphis. I was kind of trying to hook them up. Oh, really? (laughs) Um, She loved him. And so to me, I was just like, I love him too. And maybe you guys will hit it off. Right. That was my mindset. Right. She might not have liked that, but that was my mindset. Right. So she goes and picks up Jeff's mom from the airport, brings her to her hotel in the city. Something like she left a jacket or something. I met it. Jeff's mom actually back when, in, in LA when I was doing like, I was uh, another kind of a drug situation because she used to do something for MAPS, Musicians mm. um, Assistance Program. Yeah. In LA, I needed help out there at one point. Mm. Back in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Those were some rough years. <laughs> so I ended up hanging out with Jeff's mom. This is after he passed. How was that? Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's what I have to say about it. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway. Yeah, because she, she freaked. Lots of layers to this. A lot man. of layers. This this crazy. She freaked out on me years ago in the, like, you know, in some sort of print or something about it because I was trying to tell the story. And um, so, I, you know, Anyway, Friday, we go into Jeff's apartment, mm-hmm. and we clear out all of his belongings, anything, demo tapes, letters, like li- literally like letters from PJ Harvey, like all this stuff we clear out, and we bring to the management office because Inger Lurie is living in his place. Mm. And um, at that time, um, she was going through you know, some struggles with... Uh, some things and we just wanted to be certain that we wouldn't run into any trouble if she found out that he was gone like who knows she's living in his apartment all of his belongings and personal things are there we don't want anything being sold or so we just go and we get everything Uh We, we we get it all and we go to management this is friday we go through that weekend i remember all of it it was so intense um that's friday U2 was playing at the giant, like giant Stadium through that whole weekend. And it was Saturday night. I went to see U2. I brought my parents. Um, and we're, we're sitting there. And Bono sent a song out to Jeff. And right then and there was like when it really hit me. Mm. That like, oh, this is real. Um, so I got up. I left. I left the show because I couldn't be there. Um, Monday morning, mm. I, I walked in. And I quit my job wow tuesday night i play at arlene's grocery i walk off stage and um david khan 
comes up to me and says, my name is David Kahn. I'm, I work for Pre's Warner Brothers and I want to make a record with you. Right. So all within those few days, everything changed. Right. So that's kind of the story of how I got into like doing that and, and, and basically my story with Jeff. And then Wednesday, um, I went to this, uh, came into the city and met Jeff's mom, which, yeah, I said was interesting. She told me they found his bo- his body, but that's not the way she said it at first. She she was like smiling. Dude, you're giving me goosebumps, man. It's just like and she was uh, like in this dude, like this like, like glaze, like smiling. Uh, dude, <laughs> this is like too much. I get like it's crazy, dude. And I, you know, you know, I don't know. Like, you know, I'm with my daughter's mom, Stacy, and I, and um, again, we both really love Jeff and. Just says they found Jeff, and we're, we look at each other, and we're like, where was he? And she said his body floated up to Bill Street. And so and we really lost it, you know. And um, But she was like in a weird glaze, like I said. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she had said some words to me, you know, like um, teach music, <sighs> teach music to your children and blah, blah, blah. It was like, you know some general stuff where she was trying to be, um, you know, maybe strong for us or just trying herself to be the, the artist, who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, whatever she thought. <clears throat> but um, so that was pretty much it. And then a bidding war started for me. And... Um, it has been an interesting ride since because of that. So when the Jeff thing comes up, it's like it's there are a lot of layers to it. And yeah, it's not it's as simple as that. I was like his guitar roadie, and or that you're influenced by him. Yeah, and so I, yeah, and it, it, and that's a long story to get into. Yeah, and it's not it's not like you can just hear him do what he does and say, okay, I'm going to do that. Right. He was like the best. He's magical. Yeah. yeah. So it's like that's not something you either. I've been doing that as I was for years as well, yeah. to be able to just <clears throat> days later get a, a record deal or start the bidding war. Right, right, right. So, um, it's you know, I try to inspire anybody who says such a thing to be like, well, think, just like think about it. Like, you think that's really possible for in a few days for me to figure out how to just like cop his thing and then like go get a record deal and right. go do it? Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I mean, it's... It, Otherwise, it would be an amazing um, compliment to be um, compared to somebody like him. Yeah. Um, but I think when all is said and done... Well, there's, favor- there's ways to favorably compare you to him, and I think that's, to me, where you, where you land. It, like, similar to how I would favorably compare Radiohead to him, and not even, like, better or worse, just similar, you know... Similar, these people come from similar planets. It's mm-hmm. like some people, you know what I mean? Like, I my thing compares to other artists too. And it's not like I'm trying to be them, but oh, we come just from similar planets. It's a like a lot that. of the things that are there's only so many planets. The same, yeah. we're, we're kind of gelling on the same like things. That. Yeah. So, did you ever talk to the guy that went down that you had misgivings about it? Like, and, and get to talk to him and I ask have, him? I yeah. have not, no. No. I haven't seen him since. Yeah. That is a, that's a mysterious. I remember thinking it was so weird then, and just hearing about it now, even it's just like it's very weird. It's just a weird departure. Yeah, in a weird time. 
still really affects me when I think about it. So I, I try not to think about it. And, and I haven't been able to listen to his music, sadly, since he's gone until, I don't know, maybe it was like six months ago or so. I put on one of his songs. From Grace? or No, um, he never recorded it. It was called um, What Will You Say? And that was my favorite from him. And it's like you can find it in live shows and stuff. Mm. But um, yeah, it's just like hearing his voice just really sends me to a space immediately. So um, yeah, still very hard to accept, especially this time of year again around the city and it gets nice and for me every time around May, you know. Mm. But yeah, so as far as that goes with that, like um, that's kind of, it was a kiss and a curse, uh, you know, because I, I felt that, well, if not for Jeff, um, people probably wouldn't be so open to what I was doing mm-hmm. at that point in time to give me the opportunity to go and, and do it now. Because before that, it was a real struggle to get anybody to to jump on and get on mm-hmm. board, you know. Um, so There's something about that album, The Grace, that he could, that like it seemed like all the stuff that was coming from my letters from the sw- my sweetheart, the drunk or whatever, never kind of rose up to that level. Gary yeah. Lucas was and, gone. And it was like talking about bringing up Gary Lucas. It was like the the combo of Gary Lucas and Jeff was like had a magical thing to yeah. it, like a like a Robert Plant, Jimmy Page thing. Mm-hmm. Yep. And don't you think a, a million percent? And yeah. and the drummer. Yeah. Thing. Uh, Maddie Johnson. Maddie yeah. Johnson. He's a cool dude too. Yeah. We had shout Gary out, on shout out Matt Johnson. Went into yeah. this in length, so you should probably listen to that episode. Oh wow. Okay. Well, yeah. Gary was like our fourth ever. Yeah. Episode. He <laughs> like, came in like. like well, this and is it was two and a half hours, and he went yeah. deep into the whole what happened and how he was pushed out and the whole. Oh wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So he was he was going to be part of the. The band and everything. Yeah, they had some showcase. Ah, yeah, but yeah, then yeah. these Sony people were probably like, oh, he's too old. Said, well, he's old. Yeah, yeah he management was old, like, said this isn't the look. It wasn't the look. I mean, but like, because nowadays nobody would really care. Somebody's, because I think then he was yeah. probably in his 40s, which nowadays isn't even really old anymore. Thank it's God. It's an interesting episode. You would <laughs> Thank love, God for you cats like it. us, dude. But back then, it, it was yeah. a big deal. Like it and was anyone like, else listening, Gary Lucas, come to our front podcast. He's on there. Fascinating. Episode, yeah, that's a good episode. All right, I Shout would, out Gary Lucas. I would definitely. Yeah, he was, he's genius. And I, I've, yeah. so I've seen them play together, you know, at um, I think it was um, Knitting Factory. It's just unbelievable yeah. how he'd get around. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. So, so what what happened? Who produced your first record or how did it come out or how what was the rollout of that like? <sighs> Do you want to go into that or yeah. not really? Yeah, I'll try to go quickly. You don't have to. We, no we can go anywhere. <laughs> okay. yeah. We can go to now or we can go there. It's just like I'm curious what, how the story evolves from this point. It's like yeah, it kind of had me riveted a little bit, but we don't have to. Um, yeah, I don't I don't mind talking about... A little bit. Yeah, I don't mind talking about any of it. It's not... There are no sore spots. I just, you know, like I said, I've I, I become pretty... Um, reserved and shy about um talking so much about myself and the experience and part of the last 10 years and pulling back has um again brought me back to and you know and then just like the last bunch of years and like with the energy and everything everything going on the 
insane narcissism all around it's just really made me a little sensitive about talking too much about myself but i'm i'm more than well there's healthy there's healthy narcissism and there's narcissism that's going towards causing other people suffering i mean those are two wild those both fall under the moniker of narcissism and they're wildly different things Mm -hmm. i mean i like healthy narcissism is like the beat that makes the world go round like all the greatest artists were held like full of healthy narcissism you have to be yeah that makes sense so it's like to express yourself to like put you know whatever like fucking flood flood social media with your creations all that kind of stuff i'm for it like go for it like that's healthy narcissism trying to fuck with other people trying to like get a rise out of other people and then gaslight and pretend like you didn't and then watch other people like snap and lose their mind and then blame shift and all that's also narcissism and that's like of satan <laughs> those are you one's of god to me and the other one is of satan mm-hmm. like they're just that different but they both are under the name narcissism that's narcissism is one of the craziest words in the human language because you know it's it's complete you know it's just it means everything it could mean it's the alpha or whatever i don't know i don't know how to say it but yeah that makes sense yeah Yeah. um where are you from ohio originally so similar i think to jersey background you know we're at at? sort of working class-ish vibes you know uh but even though like akron akron yeah i used to go to akron um growing up um, racing bicycles, BMX bikes. Oh right, yeah, we had a lot of that around yeah. then. I never, I didn't get into that, but and then we had the soapbox derby too and all that. Mm. Yeah, yeah, puck, yeah, puck in the soapbox derby. <laughs> yeah. Well, when you pulled away, like for ten years, what did you get into then? What did you do with your time? Um. Well, um, we had just finished. Um, a record it took a bunch of years it was like another six five or six year process we made this record with rick rubin and i um dreamworks had folded i went to geffen and then and, and what number record is this the third so this is the third so you put Which out- the first two were catastrophe to me as well okay and and the third one was as well not not necessarily. What was it like working with Rick Rubin? It was awesome. Yeah, it was really great. And um, what did you I, learn I w- from him? I would I would make records solely with him for the rest of my life. Really? Still, <laughs> yeah, I, I love him. I love him dearly. Yeah. Um, Why? He's he's been a good friend to me and a good man in my life. That's good to hear. I like hearing good stories. Yeah. What? Why would you want to work with him? What does he, he bring? He believes in me to bring the best out of me and, nah. uh, and Dude, a, t-bone and a, burnett i worked with him he was exactly the same thing it was like an inside job producer completely it's not like hey let me throw this tambourine on the chorus it's, it's a, not like it's that. a whole other thing it's that's like, what, that's what like, you send it's like, you know it's like, let you, me put a tambourine on your soul is what it's more yeah. like you know yep. what i mean uh-huh. <laughs> completely a million percent that's it and, and, and it's hard to explain that but it really is it's but like, that's the thing so people some people get, are psychological like he mm-hmm. yeah i never worked with rick but i i would figure that that's yeah because yeah, people will be like oh he never shows up or this or that and it's like and then they yeah, focus yeah, on that and yeah, they, they miss the, it's the like, whole thing it's like yeah nobody gets lucky that many times 
by doing <laughs> you, that. You can get lucky once, maybe twice, mm-hmm. maybe three times. That's about it, man. Yeah. It, it, when somebody keeps getting lucky over and over again, they're not getting lucky. Mm-mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Some of his big uh, productions. R- Rick Rubin? Yeah. For those I mean, asking Red for hot, a friend. Red Hot Chili Red Peppers. Hot, okay. Yeah, Red Hot Chili Peppers. Like, he really... Which he, one? Blood he, Sugar Sex Magic? Yeah, he yeah. really changed uh, their whole thing so and that made him. them more, I think, song-oriented. And Well, James Blake recently, more recently, right? Didn't he do something with him? Or? I don't know. Or maybe he was just on his podcast. I, I don't know. Google. Um, Rick Rubin's done a lot. but So you work with... So yeah, it was like I a mean, three-year he, thing? Rick... The whole Rick's whole story is just insane, starting from being in the Beastie Boys, yeah, being res- Beastie being Boys. responsible for a lot of that stuff with them early on, um, and then LL Cool J too, LL, right? and then bringing Run DMC and Aerosmith together for Walk This Way. That was right. Really- um, Tom Petty, Wildflowers. We had Daryl on here. I think he meant he talked about. Yeah, working. we had love DMC. Dar- love Daryl. Right? Yeah, he's amazing. So so sweet. Really we did a show together at one time. Like I sang with him and stuff. It was good. So you went, but in, but in the last ten years, that's part of something I did with with Daryl. Oh wow! Um, just uh, uh, Beastie Boys, LL Cool J, Run DMC, Slayer, Danzig, Johnny Cash, Chili Peppers, Johnny Cash. Tom Petty, Johnny Cash, System of a Down, The Evett Brothers. And so you you went out to L.A. and worked with him there. We did, for, yeah. And you were there for three years. We were there. Um, for nine months, mm-hmm. um, and then worked on it again for another year back home. Um, we did pre-production on it for about a year before it. Um, did he want to work with you guys or the label put him on it? Um, Rick was during that signing, um, thing going on, like the bidding, bidding war, war, Rick was trying to sign me to Columbia at that time. So he personally American had Columbia. In yeah. yeah. Um, and then when I didn't sign with him, um, not because of him, it was I didn't want to be at Columbia because that's where Jeff was, and it was too close to home for me. So I said, I don't want to go to Columbia and potentially deal with them handling me like they would handle him. I didn't want, I didn't want any of those connections. So it was difficult for me to not sign with Rick because that's really where I wanted I to be. I always wanted to be on Columbia just because of like, <laughs> no, I'm just telling you because of like, like Bob Dylan, Bruce Springsteen, yeah. like it was like such a huge. And that was like being there. It was really tough because you kind of look around, and you feel like oh, this is the place to be. Yeah. And and Tommy Mottola and Donnie Einer, Michelle Anthony, like they could sell records. I, and I love Michelle Anthony. Like I really, really like felt something for her. Mm-hmm. Um, just something about her early on for me. I just like I really felt something um, and i wanted to be there w- with them but i was concerned about the connect like the connection with jeff so i said let me just do something different but rick hung in there so i, I did two records for dreamworks and rick was still there waiting waiting saying to grab you we're gonna do this we're gonna do this and so when the time was right he got in he got me out mm. of, of all my deals and brought me mm. and then at that point and he signed you yeah to what to american american and wow and but he was it was American Columbia because he was putting everything through Columbia. So you were on Columbia anyway. Anyway. And at this point though, he was running Sony. Right. So I I thought like, oh, this is gonna be awesome. Rick's Seems running like a home Rick's run. running Sony. <laughs> it's his record. 
How did so how, you, how could that go wrong? And real quick, how did the DreamWorks records do? Were they did they do anything or did the, they just the like, first one did really well? Okay, um, yeah, and that got us all over like radio and stuff mm-hmm. and MTV and um, that worked out. But um, but yeah, at the first, just getting to the point of doing the first one was a nightmare. Um, but so basically, the last ten years after we did the stuff with Rick. Um, well, wait, don't go through the, like, let's go on the stuff with Rick real quick. So, so, so you're nine months with Rick mm-hmm. at least, and then mm-hmm. plus, and then about a year here. And what was that record called? It was called mercy. And, and, and how did that one do? Uh, not so great. Not so great. No. And that was the whole thing. It wasn't about that. We thought I didn't for a second have some any sort of, I've never had ever had any sort of delusions of that are going to make a record and I have these hits and like everything's going to change. I've really because that's all I've ever had. <laughs> I've never. <laughs> I feel like you've gotten closer than me. No, I'm just kidding. Anyway, so go ahead. So keep going. I'm just fucking around. I, I never <laughs> thought like we had hit songs uh-huh. ever. It's not yeah. until this record that we're about to put out that i feel like okay now we have now we have some to run with in that department but i was just trying to make music that i i love you know and i was um you know like to me the closest thing that i could compare it to that i wanted i wanted like to be connected to my work like lennon or like bowie like that's really the connection that i wanted um i feel you on the same way so as far as like hits and all that it was always going to be like, well, as long as we can get there on our own terms. Well, hits, like, there's so many different ways to define a hit. Like, to me, like, like say, if we're going to talk about Jeff Buckley, like, Grace was one giant hit. But I mm-hmm. doubt there was, like, a hit, hit, proper hit nope. on it. Nope. But but it's still a hit. Yeah. So those, that kind of hit. And that's that's where my com- mindset was at. Right. On a whole, okay, computer. Yeah, massive, massive hit. hit. So is Kid A, for that matter. Completely. So that's that's just where my my mindset has always been. Yeah, always, and um, for the most part, remains and will remain from here on out. Um, I just um, so I didn't, you know, when we were doing it, I didn't think that it was going to be like, oh, we have these singles that are going to do. I thought that we made a really dark record, and um, I felt the equity in in the dark stuff like i felt like that's that's a good place for it's natural it's honest and that's what we're going to run with right so being newly signed to sony columbia they were excited about the record we got this immediate kind of opportunity to go tour with manson wow and this is the rick record right Mm -hmm. okay yeah so we take that tour yeah. Um, just because, not because we feel like it's going to work, but because I already have a little bit of a of a rap for being like um, self destructive. Oh, that you did I, that. I yeah, that I say no to everything. Uh, that was the thing. That so yeah, the, the perception can be so weird. Some some can look at it and think. Well, that can work for you though too. Like like you say no to everything, it kind of makes you like that. You know, attractive in a way. Um. Yeah, I, I guess um, at times 
Because I have the opposite reputation. I say yes to everything. <laughs> Nobody wants to hang out then. I'm a slut. No, I'm just good. <laughs> well, I'm learning how to say yes. I'm learning how to say no. Oh, well, We're like good. meeting. We two ships passing in the night. Two ships passing in the night. <laughs> I'm picking up what you're putting down. Anyway, so go ahead. Manson. So, so the Manson thing. Yeah, so... Um, like really honestly the the perception from the outside might be that i'm having everything you know, like given to me and everything's easy and i have this big record deal and all this stuff but i'm fighting every day yeah. like really fighting every day to to maintain um Sanity. what i feel is like this is this is what's important to me and this is integrity and absolutely um, and even just like I'll, I'll just go ahead and let people know too just even to go through if you're that's your third record at that point mm-hmm. right i mean every t- like back then you have to like resell your whole thing in between every record unless you sell like millions and billions of records and probably even then you have to refigure it out like because i went through similar things where it was just like you like they're it's, excited it, it's a it lot doesn't work and it, then they're kind of like yeah 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 no you get from like going like they roll the carpet out for you all of a sudden to where you can't get phone calls returned anymore and you're like wait what happened yeah and it's a I weird was the energy of the ball like a month ago what, what's going on you know yeah it almost becomes like yeah. um with without complaining or crying at all because i'm not a, no, it's a victim just, it's of just it interesting though. it almost goes into like abusive yeah, behavior yeah. from them the way oh that, it is the way that they treat treat you after it's kind of like you know, from totally sucking you off to oh, yeah. basically being like, this is your fucking fault. Yeah. Like this, like well, that, yeah, that, that kind of treatment. It's a classic like, narc Whoa. relationship where it's a love bomb and future faking, all that kind of stuff. Like we're going to be at the Grammys together. You're going to thank me at the Grammy Awards. I love you. You're the artist I've always wanted to work with. Wait, who are you again? I'm, I'm out of the office right now. Bad connection. Click. <laughs> you know, it's like mm-hmm. it's a lot of that. Yeah, yeah. You got to figure stuff out. Yeah. <laughs> so okay, so so <laughs> back to Manson. Yeah, back to Manson. <laughs> and we're gonna jump back to that though. Yeah. After after the majors came an indie label, and that's when I really learned even more of that. Right. But we yeah get back to that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we love you. We love you. We love you. You fucking suck. Um. So we go on the road with Manson. I have to say yes to that. And the first show, um, Orlando, like 4,500 people, probably one of our biggest shows to date. We come out on stage, lights go out. <sighs> Literally in a matter, no exaggeration, it must have been the most five seconds, maybe three seconds from <sighs> to the darkest, wow. like fuck off. The minute they saw you, basically? Yeah, lights go out. We stepped onto the stage and went into this guttural, like, you're dead. And but then, hold on, let me let me say this. Isn't it at that point almost a, a laugh? Like, at least it was so quick. Because you couldn't, almost, you couldn't even take that personally. Like, a a like, million percent. You must have just started laughing, like, come that's, on. That's exactly what I did. Right. And <laughs> and so everything's flying at quarters. Like, did nobody all, know there was an opening band? <laughs> what I mean? It doesn't matter. They're there to hate. <laughs> yeah. They probably knew, but they just was like, you that's know. What, and they feel like that's what they're supposed to do, yeah. so they do it. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. You're right. I immediately caught on to that. And I was like, all right, that has nothing to do with us. This is the way it's going yeah. to be. And we could have stopped after the first night, but we, we stayed on for 
40 dates for the entire tour. Was it like that the whole time? Whole time. Never got better. And did they ever accept you? Like, did they ever, like, did you ever turn a crowd? The the last night. Finally. The the fucking last night. The last night. Great. Now you like me. In Houston. I know. And it was so annoying because right away, I I told the band, um, before we went on stage, I said, "Listen, like they're gonna they're gonna hate us," and <laughs> and they're like, "Yeah, dude, we've been here for forty shows. We get it, bro." Yeah. Well, this is before stop trying to be the head coach. This we be- know they're gonna hate. Us. Like before we did the tour, because they were all excited, <laughs> right? Because um, some of them had never been uh, okay. on tour, and we had yeah. a bus. Yeah. Um, my dad had just retired, so we took him on the tour, and. I kind of had to sit everybody down and say, I know this looks one way, um, but I, I just want to let you know, like, don't be discouraged if it goes another way. And um, I said, here's what's going to happen. And we came up in Jersey, you know, playing a lot of biker bars. And like I said, if, you know, I'm singing a song that's a little pretty and some falsetto, you got you got to win people over. Um, and... I learned how to really win over even the, you know, the most um, cynical, intense, like, badass biker guys. Yeah. And, but what had happened at this point is I said, I I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to keep changing or, like, having to, like, be so Mm -hmm. like that. Um, So they're going to come at us and I can go back at them. And I will, I will gain their respect and will win Mm -hmm. by doing that. But I don't want to give in to their hate. So what's going to happen is we're going to have two months of just being abused. So you guys know, because I'm not giving into, I I can very, very easily, um, could have easily said, hey, go fuck yourselves. Like, Mm -hmm. let's go, motherfuckers. And I could have turned into that, but it truly wasn't in my heart to to be that way. I felt like we made a record, um, even though it was dark, I felt that there was a lot of loving it and i didn't want to just go out and be like some heavy metal thing to fit in i just mm-hmm. felt like yeah it's an odd pairing you guys with manson yeah so wrong I mean, but it kind of makes sense on a on one level but not on a bunch of other levels yeah <laughs> like, if, it's like, if they were going to be yeah. open uh it could have been really good I mean, it's good exposure i mean i feel like something like that would go over nowadays but back then it's a different vibe yeah like now people are more open-minded i feel like he had like um to openers in general yeah just yeah. to yeah. like into differences and like then it was just like yeah you know if you don't want yeah people show up to listen to yeah. the opener every now and then yeah i i always did so i was excited about it. so but, but they liked you on the last night well because he turned them yeah i I gave in so um we're told like right from the jump from manson's crew and they're all hard asses too because they're dealing with him the whole time and it's a dark energy it's a dark thing um that's going on so right from the jump you know we get up there for sound check the whole crew's like say the fuck away from here say the fuck away from there this and i'm just like you got it no problem (laughs) and uh (laughs) i've dealt with that before and i was like you know, it's your Opening world. We're just, I'm not saying, right. but uh, but there was one time I opened was up with somebody. I'm not going <laughs> to say they who. were like that. To I'm going to say who they have a really good <laughs> reputation, but I was not allowed to be in the center of the stage, even though I was a solo artist, and also the lights weren't allowed to be all the way off in the audience. Oh, I remember this. 2003. I, I left the tour. I, like I was like, okay, if this is gonna how it's gonna 2003? be. 2003. 
I mean, it. I'm not gonna say who it was. Yeah. All right, but, I, I'll, I'll but go you look. you would be surprised. You would be shocked because it was like, yeah. Anyway, whatever. But you know, <laughs> it's just like you you figure out how much of that you know you could handle, and it's like if yeah. Meanwhile, I opened up for REM doing arena tours solo. And Michael Stipe came out and introduced me every, oh, he's, every night. He's the best. And then Peter Buck would come at the last song and play the last couple songs with me. And then I would play with them at the end of the night. And I won every crowd over. That's like, because of that. That's like, those, the way you, it should be. That's they the brought way, you there. That's the way it should be. They brought you like, there. And, and that was then a gentleman. artist who, like, <laughs> like, like he almost. You like, can't <laughs> be at the center of the stage, and we're going to have the house lights halfway on the whole time. I mean, it's just like. It's your crowd, dude. Like, what are you worried not about? A, not a dude, actually. Yeah, it's your crowd. Yeah, I chick. know who it is. I know who it is. And uh, something with the tour bus, you have to do or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> I'm gonna. All right, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna look it up. I, uh, I'll tell you after. Okay. The yeah. I, I just don't want to stir up. <laughs> yeah. Shit. But so, so. But okay, that's so okay. The that's, last it's night, their world. We respect it the entire time. Mm-hmm. We do the entire tour. We take the abuse, abuse. Mm-hmm. night after night, like. Coins, everything, everything in the world flying and hitting me. Extra cash for petty cash. And I would, I would joke about it, be like, just <laughs> throw, you know, throw silver dollars, please. Yeah. Um. So the last night. Did you ever get hurt? No. Okay. No. Good. But you have to be to to um like deal with that. You you got to be okay. You know. And, and oh, I was that, and that, I was it's fine. A, it's hard. That's and that's, I was yeah. I was fine the whole time. I laughed about it. Like we'd finish each night, go on the bus and um. I would do a couple hundred sit-ups and push-ups and get into my sweats and watch the sound of music. Close mm-hmm. close the back door and lay down and watch the sound of music. And I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm loving good. it, man. I, I did Everything my job. Everything makes sense except it, your movie choice. Every night was the sound of music. <laughs> <laughs> I just needed a complete escape uh, from yeah, that. Yeah, Grace so. with Olivia Newton-John. Yeah, maybe a couple. We wore that one out. And yeah. Xanadu. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But I felt like I I did my job today, and yeah. it was just like got paid. I'm, I'm there to be hated yeah. by them. I did my job. It's cool. Like I have no problem. I'm not taking it personal at all. Right. I yeah. wasn't. It was just like these these people are fucking animals. Like yeah. So it didn't really bother me. Um, but the last night we were in Houston, and I'm pacing back and forth. It's just one of those nights that like I'm not. I'm not centered and grounded myself and i feel it like i'm already like irritable right and i'm like mm, this is not good mm. like i have to I have to shake this you know each night before we play because i i want to you know for me a really great show is when i'm able to um get out of my head and be present with everybody mm-hmm. and like have a, just a good conversation and i feel like that was a great show i felt like i was present right um so this night, like I would, it was like cloudy. You know what I mean? Like it was spinning. Right. Something was like going too quick for me to have that kind of. You weren't centered. Yeah. Right. And um. So we go out, and we're we're only gonna play five songs tonight. Um, our songs are a little bit longer, so it's fine. It'll take up the whole time. Um, and we play. We get after like the second song, and there's like a, a group of them like in unison and you see them over there going you suck you suck you suck and i'm just like at this point i'm standing there looking at them, i'm just like oh like you guys look really fucking pathetic so you know like right. i know you think that you're affecting me but you look really pathetic like 
you look like you're literally like fucking eight years old. Right. Like getting your buddies together, like to go on a mission. Like, yeah, if you do it, I'll do it. Like, you look pretty pathetic. Yeah. And um, we do another song and like something happens. Like people, they're, they're throwing shit or something. And I said, so I guess this is like after the, the fourth song. Because I got hit, and I said, um, "Like, what happened to all of you?" Right. Like, you, what happened to all of you? That you have like a defenseless person up here. Like, I'm just singing. Right. I'm not coming at you with any sort of yeah. intense point of view or anything like that. I'm not, you know, I'm not being political or anything like that. Right. Like, what the fuck happened to you that you have to go in your pocket, I love this. get a metal object, yeah. and potentially blind somebody? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. like you're all you're all fucked, really. Like you got fucking problems, all of you. You're right. all fucked. Yeah. And um. And then they loved you. <laughs> and then almost, we start the last song, and I'm literally singing these words. Um, and I know what comes in this last song. And this last song is the the first song on my first record. And there's a like a little pause, and um, this is part of why James Hall and I are like brothers from another mother too mm-hmm. because it's like there's no way we could have known about each other doing this but this pause and then i literally come in like raging vocally mm. and i know that that's coming but before that i'm, I'm singing um breathe for the whole world mm. uh, because we can't fight and um and i see some guy down in front some we're in texas so a big texas mexican mm-hmm. he's He's there, he's got all of his black on, he's ready to take me down, and he winds up, and he fucking hums a quarter, and it's like slow motion, and I watch it go, and I look up at him like that, and I take, which I regret, but um, I take my 70s Tele Deluxe, like straight off the top of my head, and I throw it off, and I run, and there's the catwalk, and they were told to stay Mm -hmm. the fuck off the catwalk, but tonight... I'm going on the catwalk and I run towards the catwalk and I'm in midair in between the stage and the the space. And as I'm in midair, like about to come down, um, he winds up and he's going to hit me. Like he already hit me, but now he wants to hit me again. So as I'm midair, somehow somebody grabbed him by the throat in the audience security and yanked him to the ground and uh, like immediately pulled him back like four people and dragged him through the crowd and out of the building. I land on the, like the um, gate there and I'm fucking standing on it just kind of looking. I'm not like being tough or anything like that, but I'm just like, come on. And um, they drag him out and the whole place goes. (laughs) (laughs) And... That's um, what they wanted the whole time, just and for you to fight to back. To give in. And <laughs> yeah. Manson's entire crew empties out onto the stage, mm-hmm. and they're ready and behind us and ready to go. So after two months, they really came to like us <laughs> and respect us and um, because we listened. Whatever, like, that's, it's your world. It's fine. Yeah. We, didn't, we never went over our time. We're just, like, always on time. Um, respected them looked out for them it was fucking freezing on that stage because manson ordered a like a, an air conditioner with these this crazy like hose that went all pumped literally pumping crazy air onto the stage the tour was in the middle of the winter through the country the back gates are open in the venue so the outside air is already in it, so we're all and like, they're like this and 
he's also pumping this air through. So these guys were in hell for two months. So we'd kind of look out for them. And, you know, you guys need anything, coffee, like anything we do. So by this last night, they were all ready to fight. And I get back on stage and um, I'm like, anybody else want to fucking throw anything? Come right up here where I can see you again. And I turn back and we launch back into where we stopped. Breathe for the whole world. We can't fight. And then we finished that song and, and I'm blazing in that song in the end, you know. And um, so then we finished the song and it's like, again, 5,000 people, which we never really heard in our lives. 5,000 people enjoying us. Right. So then it was like, and I just look around at the band and I'm like, I'm <laughs> worth fucking it. Fucking believable. Like that whole time, that whole time, you know, every one of those shows, two shows at the Hammerstein Ballroom, like everywhere in the country, all through Canada, hating us everywhere. It never changed. My kids came to the shows. My kids watched the audience abuse me. They watched wow. all of it. And they never saw it, you know, they never saw us win the audience over. But this one night, I give in to the hate. And you win. And what, what do you make of that? Um, I guess just the same thing that um, I felt going into it, which was um, like these people are just like really. I, I felt like they were really confused, which is why they're there in the first place. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of layers to what's going on with them, but they're, yeah. um, they really like the idea of um, well, it's like when you hatred. When you match the energy, though, then they, then they gave you the love or something. Or, mm -hmm. It's interesting because, like, uh, this, it reminds me of this time. Like, Peter Gabriel used to always tell me this story about the time when he would open up for Frank Zappa, and the exact same thing happened. He would get booed off the stage every single night. <clears throat> and then he said, like, at one point, like, in, like, a few shows in, he just, he, he like, a big smile came over his face while they were just booing him, and he realized that, it couldn't touch him mm -hmm. like none of it mattered and it was like a breakthrough moment for him and he would just keep going you know mm -hmm. so i mean it's a little different because with what your situation was you were actually getting pelted with stuff and so it's a bit more a yeah. bit more violence we'd on. been we'd been booed a lot though leading up to that oh really <laughs> yeah other um, opening things or? oh yeah 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 like we toured with the cult and i love the cult but their audience they same thing like they wanted Ian out there hmm. and um yeah being opener kind of so sucks. that Is was it possible I saw you opening up for Counting Crows at the Trade Winds in New Jersey somewhere 2002 close the Wallflowers oh the wall yeah so I did, mm. it was the Wallflower at the Trade Winds mm -hmm. yeah right. and that was civil that tour was civil people were civil to us it was right. it was good but it was that makes it was more sense. it was so um decent that dreamworks pulled us off the tour why they were like um they, they got threatened by you they no um <laughs> jacob and the wallflowers they were amazing they like we had a whole long tour with them but dreamworks said um we can't get radio to come to those shows that nobody's interested in going to see them sort of pulling you up and i said that's insane that's right. insane i'm not i'm not leaving this tour and they said you don't leave this tour then we're not putting out any singles for the record wow and then um, and they said, we're not supporting it financially. And I said, I don't need you to. What I get paid every night is more than enough from the Wallflowers, and I'll go do it solo. I'll jump in a car and do it. I don't yeah. need you. Right. And they said, you do that. We're not going to support your album. That's weird. And then the tour started. They took Ron Sexsmith, 
which is great for Ron because I love Ron Sexsmith. Um, I toured with him at one point. Love him. I follow him on Twitter. Yeah. Is <laughs> he yeah. um, <laughs> in the UK or something? He's a Canadian. Oh, he's Canadian. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Love him. Yeah, he's a cool dude. So I was Good happy songwriter. he got the tour. Um, yeah. But I never, so I, I didn't do it. But uh, we didn't get booed on, on that tour. But um, I remember you being cult. very loud. That's, that's my, because the name, I remember seeing a band called Ours and it was super loud and it was at the Trade Winds. Yeah, that was definitely, um, I mean, we we're always, always loud. Uh, but we were, <laughs> we were certainly getting uh, a lot of heat from the label. Um, for not being um, like the guy who signed me, Michael, he signed Rage and Pearl Jam, um, and he believed that in signing me that he was signing like the next like the Who or something, mm-hmm. and he wanted me to really take that position mm-hmm. and and be like a rock guy, and uh, I was never good with it, you know. Like, after he signed me, when I was younger, I was, and and then I become I become good with it now over the last decade but at then at that point you know i, I was listening to like the blue moods of spain you know like mm-hmm. i wanted to make records like that like nine minute like mm-hmm. moody stuff <laughs> and so they, they were like what's wrong with you um so but during that record we we got pushed so much to be like rock and stuff so we were a little heavy-handed at that time that's interesting that you bring up James Hall too with the Marilyn Manson thing because I know Marilyn Manson was heavily influenced by James Hall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, did you meet James Hall? Where'd you meet him? We were um, in Atlanta. In technically in Athens, or, I met him because at the forty watt. Yeah, yeah. Um, it had been around four years or so. My, I got signed in 97 and we started to do some tour dates in 97 and people were asking me then if I knew of James. They're like, you know James Hall? Mm-hmm. And I said no. And they're like, oh, that's weird. Like You guys are seem like brothers in some way. Mm-hmm. And um, so I heard a lot about that with Jeff as well. And so I was like, all right, it's on my radar and people keep saying it. And so it was around 2002, I think, 2002, 2003. Um, I had played... Um, just as like a solo show, I think at a Starbucks in Atlanta, like a promotional thing or something. Mm-hmm. And a few hundred people came to see me play. And was it like an album signing thing. Yeah, it was. Yeah. I was kind of putting a record out. I and did one of those. It's just like going and doing. I love personally. I love doing things like that. I think they're fun. But. I did too, but ex- except nobody showed up at mine. So then suddenly, I was just shopping at Barnes and Noble, <laughs> <laughs> like, look, looking around, like looking around, and there was a ta- trying to ignore the table with my picture on. <laughs> but anyway, go keep going. Starbucks had a music label for a little yeah. window yeah, yeah, in two thousand and. <laughs> Five or six or whatever they had. I forget what it was called. Yeah, and that's why you'd always see Antigone Rising. Yeah, like at, yeah. At, at the cash register. The low like stars their, were their on sign, there. Signings, yeah. See ya. I remember seeing her. Anyway, so mm-hmm. so you were at. So the- I did a, a show, and a lot of people came to it, and um, my friends said, you know, James Hall and Pleasure Club are playing in Athens tonight. They could really use our support. We should go. And I was playing. Um, I was playing in Orlando the next day, so I had to drive. It was an early drive. 
Um, and I felt like I'll never be able to stay up and do it. Um, I'm going to get into a drug story. Is that okay? Yeah, that's fine. Okay. Sure. It's, it, it does involve... Um, Speed, yeah. cocaine, something like that. Uh, yeah, cocaine. But um, so um, I said, I'll, I'll never be able to stay up mm-hmm. to take that drive to Athens. I, by the time he's done playing and I got to drive back, I'm going to be cooked. So I'm thinking like, so somebody did just give me like a hit of ecstasy. Mm. And I'm thinking like, we really, really do need to go and support James. If, if it's like what I'm hearing that they could really use the support, then we should all be there. Like everyone that we can gather up, let's take a ride to Athens. So take the hit, get in the car, start to drive. Maybe, you know, 30 minutes out or so, take the hit of ecstasy. Get in there and they're only like eight of us in the place and they're playing and um like shit starts kicking in for me and uh i'm watching them and i'm i'm really blown away by them not because of um any drugs or anything it's just like truly amazing yeah this is amazing yeah so but what's happening at this time is i'm feeling this overwhelming sense of like I have to, I have to find a way to um, connect with this guy and help him, because this is crazy. Like three hundred people came to see me play tonight, just not far away from here. This is like kind of his hometown, mm-hmm. Atlanta here, and um, and everybody that's at my show should have been here. So I have to, I have to just somehow facilitate that, make that happen. So I'm kind of tripping out, and I'm literally tripping out you missed that part of the story but i'm tripping out and i uh, took ecstasy to go see james and james yeah to stay up and i'm having this thought of like helping james um, i'm not gonna let this go by again like what happened with jeff and i so i'm feeling like this is a moment like i have to connect with this guy it's like something yeah. this is my brother somehow so he finishes playing um go up and i help them I don't know them, but I go up to the stage with a friend of mine that knows them, and we just start pulling their stuff off the stage, bringing it out to the trailer and help them. Mm-hmm. And um, so my stuff's really kicking now. And I chew gum a lot. Like You're rolling it. Big pieces of, like, you know, watermelon bubblicious my whole life. It's always uh-huh. been my thing. Like So I'm like. Right. And I go outside and with frying pan <laughs> eyes, you fucking <laughs> nothing but dark circles. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, and I'm talking to him, and I get introduced to him, and I'm he's a funny character. Trying to explain to him, like I have this idea, you know, I was I can blow you up, James. I, I was hit with this idea of like what we should do, like. Um, as far as hours and pleasure club and how we should come together and you know, I'm hitting him with this idea of community I mean I'm talking about country music and and, and Seattle and all this stuff and I said we don't have a community for us you get it like we, we have to we have to make sure that we're not jealous of one another and resentful like we have to help each other we have to come together uh-huh. anybody cut from this cloth Jeff's gone but anybody cut from this cloth we have to come together and help each other do this because it's what we started and we don't have that kind of community. So he's not hearing it at all because he's on his, he's like, yeah, you know, I, you, know, you know what, Jimmy, it's nice meeting you, you know, but, uh, you know, <laughs> and, but he, they have a plan 
and I completely respect it and I get where he's coming from because I'm a crazed out like person talking to him after the show and that's always you know a little weird as you know so mm-hmm. I get that he's kind of like that but I'm not going to give up on mm-hmm. him so some time goes by and um, we go in to do the record with Rick and kind of like that gets everybody's attention you know yeah um so that would do it that was i was thrilled at at the idea that i didn't look at it like okay you well now you're paying attention i was just happy that i felt like all right now i have your attention i Mm -hmm. want to tell you what i was trying to tell you um let's come on let's let's help each other Mm -hmm. um and so thankfully he came out and we were able to... He um, came out to L.A. He came out. Wow. And we were able to have him on on a song that we did called Murder. Right. And he played trumpet and violin. And then he sang on it with me. You know and, Eric McFadden, too? Yes. Yeah. And and do you know Liam, James's son? I do, since he's... Grandma? Yeah. Yeah, I worked with him. I, I Really? Yeah, we wrote together on his first he's a little, album. A little badass, huh? He's very much... I shouldn't, a, I shouldn't say little... But no, he's a badass. But he's a, yeah, he's awesome. I just I've known him since he was eight, and that's probably yeah. the last time I I saw him. Oh yeah, down in um New Orleans, New Orleans after yeah. after everything. So right, right, right. Um. Anyway, so you got you got him up there working with Rick and you guys. Yep, and um, and so it started our relationship of like just kind of looking out for one another and through the years, and um, yeah. So yeah, I, I love James very, very much. He's, and did Rick take a liking to James, or did he get into that whole scene? Or you know, I want to say this carefully so that people don't think the wrong thing, like you were saying before about never showing up. He didn't. Rick didn't come to the studio. Right. One day. <laughs> I, I just, I just made the record. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but he knew, like, make no mistake, he knew what was going on. Right. He's. He's no, I get it. it. Like, like I told you, I get would, it. It's different would, styles. He'd call me up and he'd say, "Do you change the kick drum pattern in black?" Mm-hmm. And I said, "Yeah." <laughs> he said, "Yeah, you should put it back how it was." I said, "Okay." <laughs> so he right. would listen to dailies or whatever it's mm-hmm. called. Was that yeah. with Sylvia doing the board? Um, Wasn't that his his uh, engineer at the time? Um, we had we brought in. I was Sylvia adamant. Massey, I think is her name. Or... Yes. Yeah, not for us. Like I was okay. adamant about bringing in my buddy. You know Peter Cadis? Yeah. Sounds familiar. I, I yeah, think, he, yeah. He Peter uh, did like the Interpol stuff. And yeah, He's yeah. done a lot. He's got his place up in Connecticut. Yeah. And I met Peter. I went up there and just really um, took a liking to him. And so it was odd because Peter doesn't normally do this. But I said, you want to come to California for three months? We'll, we'll pay you pretty well and then you can you know sub out your studio or something while you're not there and and he thought about it and he said yeah i'll do that so peter came and so peter was basically um with me every day and through the night and you know to his credit um you know many many nights i just like pass out and he'd continue working on things and i had complete trust and faith in peter katis so um it was pretty much us doing everything and um yeah but but rick knew what was going on and he's he's down with it so 
but I really wanted Rick to meet James. That was the yeah. whole thing. So James came out once we had already moved out of Rick's house. We moved to another studio called, uh, you know, Ocean out in Burbank. Sounds familiar. It was a cool room. Um, so we were there for a month and that's where James came to. But Rick went back into the his um, house where we were doing the record, The Mansion, and he brought the Chili Peppers back in. So we needed to get out by the mm. first of the month because they were coming in to do this big double record. Right. Californication. Probably. It was um, Stadium, Stadium Arcadia. Oh, Stadium yeah. Arcadia. Yeah. yeah. So I talked to Rick and I said, hey, you know, my buddy James is in town. I, I really want you to meet him. Yeah. And he said, come up to the house. So we went up and then I introduced James to him there. Oh, Chili cool. Peppers and stuff were there. But we were just kind of in, in, in and out quick. But yeah. I just wanted Rick to meet James to know that, you know, just like, like anything, like I would want my friends to meet, you know, yeah. you like, okay, you got to go, you got to go down and hang out and talk yeah. to these guys and do it. Like, so I just, um, yeah, you know, I, I romanticized it a bit more and had more you higher had hopes for it higher to, be, hopes, to yeah. be like, Rick would spend some time talking to him, but. But what Rick people was, manifest is up to them as well. Com- and, and, and you're not the first person that felt invested in getting james into into that sort of realm yeah because yeah it's like uh, many people i think feel like he's like one of the one of the all-time greats and you know it gets a little weird though because i'm sure and it's something i've like encountered a lot and i'm sure you've encountered like oh you should be so much bigger or like why don't more people <laughs> like that whole thing and it's like I don't know. That's a slippery slope. I don't want to because I don't mm-hmm. want to throw that all over James right now either. But yeah, like you're not the first person that's wanted to, you know, elevate yeah. him. Elevate him. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so yeah, because for whatever reason, but like uh, you know, people are in charge of their own manifestations, their own yes, their own uh, mm-hmm. yeah. That's the way to put it. Manifest it. But um, so speaking of manifestations, what about this new record you made and who produced that? And is it just called ours? Yeah, we're we're gonna just call it ours. I like May fifteenth. Yeah, because I was listening to that on the way over here too. Sounds um, really good. Thanks. Yeah, who um, who produced that? I did it. Um, which is at the end of the day, um, through the years we had a, f- a few producers, but it really comes down to like who mixed. Nobody's it? gonna be able to really get it to where I can. Did you mix it as well? Yeah, okay. I, and attract it all. Wow. Um, I had to figure out how to do a lot of that. Um, had the you know the the blessings through the years while we had budgets to work with a lot of great people that I could pick their brain and watch them um, pay attention a lot. So I I did that. And um, so, and then we had started this record with, you know, we had, it's crazy because I guess we started maybe like 2014 or so. This record? Mm-hmm. Wow, so and, it's a long time coming. Yeah, and we had a few thousand dollars to record some drums, and um, we spent that basically in the first couple days. We went into the studio with our, our friend, um, guy Jason Cursaro. You know of Jason? Mm. He's done stuff for, for Peter. Right. Um, like, I think he mixed... Um, 
in your eyes. So you, like, so you had a couple thousand so started dollars with to, him. to do drums and all you wound up with was some bongos and an eight ball? Nothing. We uh, wound up, we wound up just, just about with nothing. And that was like three days. You keep saying we. Is it the whole, is the core band or is, is it just? Um, well, it's April. Right. You're um, in the band? What do you play? Keyboard? Okay. Yep. And, um, and I have her singing a lot these days, and she's uh, she played she did play drums on a track on the record as well. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, it's kind of like um, I didn't know if it was a rotating cast of characters where you're the main guy always, or if this we in the last six years is the same bunch of people. It's a yeah, it's a good question, um, and the constant question. But it, I'm the constant, and it's like whoever is really. Um, available available and inspired um it's it's hard to explain but it's it is like a, a just a community of people um who come in and out of my life kind of doing it and um yeah. and it, the last few years though um so going back so again it's saying well what's happened in the last 10 years and getting away from all that after the Manson tour and that record, everything crashing and burning, I did a solo record. My mom got sick and um, we lost her. My my first cousin, who was like raised as my brother, he he dropped dead at 36. And so a few things From happened. What? He had a heart thing um, that happened. The, um, it was a heart condition that um, muscle um, tissue built up around or something mm. around his heart. Um, which we discovered one night after a show, like on the turnpike, at a rest stop where he just like kind of passed out. We realized like, oh, something's wrong with his heart. Um, so, you know, real life things like that were happening. Um, and I just needed to get back to finding the meaning and everything again, like again, like going back. Um, so I just started to work and help um, at the School of Rock. Okay. And... Just doing like a lot of charity things and helping kids. I, I got really excited about helping at the School of Rock, mainly for like special needs kids. That was my first driving thing. Right. I didn't really want to help um, normal kids. But yeah, like spoiled. Right. Like spoiled kids who just wanted to be celebrities. I don't and want to help stars. them either, but I do want to help <laughs> special need kids. <laughs> I do. That's inspiring. Was, I, I was looking for was some amazing. charity stuff to do. Actually, I just called up like uh, this, like where you go play for kids in the hospital, mm. and uh, it turns out they're not taking on anybody right now. So if you know somebody, like somebody let me tell you, that was the that was my first order of business when I got signed. Yeah, the first thing I said to Gene Bowen, I said I tried to do this a year ago. Yeah, I literally spent two months making they these, shut you making down. these toys for these kids. Mm -hmm. I wanted to go in and sing and bring them toys. They won't let me in. Right. Once I had my deal and I had some sort of press thing, yeah. they let me in. And I went in. I played for them. I played for the kids in the cancer ward. I brought them gifts. I, I bought them um, whatever they needed for their music program. Mm -hmm. uh, um, and then, you know, they asked me if I wanted to take pictures and stuff with the press, for the press. And I said no. Yeah. And so that was my first thing. But you're right. They... they kind of turn you down it's not easy to get in to do it so well i actually asked them when the press would be there 
Well, they said, sure, come in. I said, are the is the press there? Can you let me know? (laughs) That's I'm just. It's a joke. It's pretty common though. But they, yeah, but they said it was like because of the COVID shit. Mm -hmm. That's why. So I don't know. But But even then, for for whatever reason, it was difficult to get in to do it. Um, So. But how do you do, – what about the school rock special needs thing? Well, that school, sounds interesting. Yeah, the school was – you know, it, I went in. Um, my daughter wanted to go, mm-hmm. and so we brought her down. And it felt like she had – she found the place where she fit in and belonged because she wasn't really finding friends in school. Mm. So it felt like that could be a good place for her. And then they were kind of asking me if I would get involved. And like I said, I kind of saw some of the – the vibe and I said I don't really want to get involved in any of this like I'm I have my own career and I don't want to go to this level of like kids and parents fighting over over like petty bullshit because the parents become total terrorists my kid does a great Tom Petty I'm not letting him do this yeah some of them (laughs) some of them were really oh my god really awful I couldn't deal with that Um, but some of them were also really really great some of the parents and have like um, you know become friends with a a ton of them since Hmm. but that was the main drive to to just find some way to give back as a feeling again like this narcissistic existence Mm -hmm. i felt like i need some balance here because it's Mm. when it's going well like we have a pretty awesome existence in life but something about it at times feels like Mm. i don't know man this is it's like like flying too close to the sun or something like it Mm. i need to like balance this out so Mm -hmm. that's been the last decade and in that time um one of the main groups of of kids that I was working with, I got to clarify this because I said it once, and then everybody thinks that our band is, you know, special needs kids now, which if it was, amazing. Um, but Damn, um, that's a I'm, hook. now I'm, uh, you know, I don't want to, yeah. yeah, I don't want to. I'm, I'm not aligning myself or saying that I'm, but I've become special needs yeah. as, in my own way yeah. um, as I get older. But um, these these guys are. Um, they two brothers and a, and a bass player and they played together and they had such a vibe and we spent so much time together that that's become the band so for that's the last um so you know maybe six years or so yeah it's been us wow. and so the three of them and april and i wow yeah wow that's and, cool yeah and, and how'd you guys meet april um was working for my friend um my friend was in a band called Live. Ooh. Oh, we know Live. Ed? Um, Ed's brother. Ed's brother. Yeah, he played guitar for them on tour. Yeah. Adam. Adam. Yeah. Yep. So Adam and I became good friends and, and still are. Um, and um, I put Adam on a bunch of dates with us. Mm. So April was working for Adam. Oh, okay. And um, Adam can only do a few of the dates because he was going to get back on the road live. And we were going to continue through the rest of the country. So April jumped on tour with us and hasn't left since. And that nice. was in 2003. 2003? Damn. Wow. It's amazing. Yeah. That's so. longevity at yeah. this point. That's 19, 18 years or something like that. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. The longest, the longest um, full-time running member of the band. Wow. Aside from me. 
Yeah, but you know, like I said, we have, we really do have this extended family. I, I view James as part of the band. Um, I have you know buddies through all the years that I still view them as part of what what we do because um, wow. they can come in at any point and be a part of it and contribute and um that's a good way to look at it so but it's it's you know the the flow has been um basically just um friends of mine and people that um i'm I'm close with that believe in what i'm doing and feel like they could contribute and kind of follow my lead with it but it's not it's not like a weird um you know dictatorship or anything like that we have a we have a blast doing it it's all very very open and um you know like we we literally just let james come in he he played i i wanted him to play trumpet that's Mm -hmm. what i was thinking but he brought a violin it's like i don't play some violin too and and uh and i wanted him to sing and he did sing but that's how open it was like i had to have rick tell me turn his voice down i said no no we gotta put it loud like he's 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 a legend like people need to know this and uh, Rick said, turn his voice down. <laughs> I want to hear, this is, this is you. This is your record. You sing. He's, back, he's backing vocal. Like, turn it down. So that's kind of how I am. I'm, I'm, I'm really pretty open kind about of a, Kind of a hippie almost. Yeah, I really am. <laughs> so, but, so without, the, without the pot. Without the weed? No yeah. weed? Not for me. Yeah, me neither right now. <laughs> CBD's enough. All right, so, yeah. so, so what's this? So the new albums, what, what was it coming out on a label or independently, or is it, or is no, it out? Is it already um, out? It's going to come out May fifteenth, which 15th. is the twentieth uh, anniversary of the first record that we ever put out. Right. Okay. Cool. So it's coming out soon as hell. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then, and, and then, are you guys touring or doing anything? We like are. That? We are going to. You know, the thing is like. Um, because of i've never been really ex- great with like hyping things up right and not in- interested in in that i just wanted to do great work and i wanted people to um be able to discover it and fall in love with it without being mm-hmm. smacked in the head with it um so we've been pretty lax about any sort of promotion or anything like that mm-hmm. for years we've just been this is the promo tour right now the podcast <laughs> yeah but also maybe it's time to look at marketing as another kind of art art that's exactly like that's what, the andy warhol that's thing. exactly what we're and, moving on to and you know because it's like we came from a time man we did me and you like where it was like not cool like it was cool to act like you don't care and this that and the other and like it was like we were taught in a way and you know, don't market yourself and don't try or that and just concentrate on being pure or whatever. But like now this newer generation, they're just like, it's all about, you know, that Andy Warhol though was like, you know, it, it's there's an art in making money. Mm-hmm. There's an art in that too. There's an art in marketing yourself yeah. and stuff. And then it's like kind of like getting a clever way of doing that. So you're thinking along those lines? Yeah, yep. Yeah, what? thousand percent, and that's what we've we've had long talks about it. And what inspired I've, that? I've said that. Well, I've always believed that equally as much. Yeah. But for whatever reason, and we've had talks about it with the band, and I said I, I feel like I destructively um, mm-hmm. ignore that. I know that that's equally as important as making it. Well, if making you, the music. And if you don't try in that realm, you, you can kind of almost go like, well, I didn't really try, so I didn't really fail. You know, it's like yep. it's almost like more vulnerable to actually try. Yep. Yep. You know? Yeah. And I've, you know, kind of 
through my time with, with the kids at the school, taught them as well because um, of everybody, you know, you had the people who were like trying to fly through the guitar and all the crazy drum fills and all this stuff. Mm. And I, I continued to teach them that it wasn't, in my opinion, it wasn't necessarily about playing the, the most notes or the fastest notes or even being great. You know, it was like, we're going to try and do everything we can to, to get you singing like a like a badass mm -hmm. but at the end of it, it it still comes down to f you need to figure out how to connect with people and and cultivate it and and market it and, and if you don't do that you know you're gonna i know some of the greatest musicians through the years who just right. couldn't really make it work and i and i still attribute anything that i've gotten to when i have that part of my brain open to the idea that i need to now go sell this and mm -hmm. find the angle on how I'm going to sell it, connect with people. When I ignore it, things kind of just fizzle out. So it's been it's been there, but I've I've wanted to make sure that I like really love all the music that we're about to go out and talk about, and that it wasn't like okay, well now I'm excited to to market something, so. You know what I mean? I just yeah. I wanted both of those things to come together so I I can feel good about it. I feel good about running around the world and talking about the the record that we made. So that's cool. Um, Where do people find you? Um, like, so what's your social medias and all that? Well, I guess. Um, <laughs> like, do you have Instagram and I, I Facebook? Do. And I do. I do have. Um, our site mainly is ours.net. Ours.net. Um, that's that's the main thing to go to. Yeah, what's what are some of the other things? You got an Instagram for yourself. Yeah, what is that? Is that is that official? Jimmy yeah, Nico I I think official. I had to do. So you've been off it. So do you do you afraid like your audience has you know like forgotten about you or can't keep in touch with you um, in this day and age? I'm, I don't think so. Um, I think. Um, Jimmy Neko with a G, obviously Neko official. Yeah, I had to. I forget. I couldn't remember if we did like music or official, but G N E C C O. Yeah, we had to do that because um, follow. Go follow else, Jimmy. Um, somebody else took my name and wouldn't give it back to me because of Lana Del Rey. Because Lana has a song about me called Jimmy Neko. Oh, really? Yeah, and then so her fans... Wow, that must be huge. ...kind of jumped on it and took my name. So, so it's like I have to get my... I mean? They created like a Jimmy Neko? Yeah, and so all she a, sorts of things. She they a big just start, fan or something? They started or? to take up things with my name so we couldn't get certain like, sites and things like oh, that. And then I asked crazy. for it back. I said, you know, it's, <laughs> it's my name. You think I could use it? And the person was like, no shot. I'm like, okay. That's crazy. So wait, why'd she write a song with your name? She knows your music or I think, knows you personally? Yeah, I think going, going back um, through some years here in the city of maybe um, coming to some shows or somebody had turned her on to me. David Kahn may have done that, yeah. turned her on to the stuff and then... Did yeah. you ever talk to her about that? or? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I ended up... Um, I mean, is there a phone the call before, dude? I'm gonna name my song Jimmy Neko. Is that cool with you? Or she, you know, um, I didn't know about it until she had already really blown up, wow. right? Um, because she was blowing up, and like I saw her on Saturday Night Live and all that, and then, which I thought she was great. I thought she was just nervous and uncomfortable, but I, I, I still thought she was great. Um, and somebody 
my buddy reached out songs to me. That blew up on her are so good. Was it like video games? Video and games blue and blue jeans. Those, yeah. those two are just like man. Those are some great tunes. Yeah, and I love Ride. I don't, I don't, I don't know that much about it. But so, like, so she was a big fan, or and you guys ended mm-hmm. up going on the road and stuff. Yeah, she took me on the road. What was that like to open up? Nice. It was amazing. It made up for all the years of just people booing and stuff because right. now it was like big sold out like arenas red rocks things like that it was just me alone an album out around that or anything no that's what i'm talking about like i'm i'm (laughs) I'm so lax about like right because like that nothing on the merch table i should have immediately come home and just put it together yeah put that out why why didn't you i was thinking about those um who were involved with me with the band i didn't want to i didn't want to abandon well, there's like, part of you that has a self-destruct or or just a self-sabotage. There's a saboteur there. Yeah. Because that that right there reveals it. And I'm not trying to psychoanalyze you no, or, no, or but judge I, you. No, no, but I've said it all and, over and, and over to the and, band. And like, all due respect. Like, I mean, I got respect for you, so it's nothing to do with that. <laughs> but it's like, yeah, that right there is like, you got Lana Del Rey, she's got a song. I just you know, did a tour like with her. You just did a tour. You must have been. You could have gone into a studio in three days. Her and I could could have done a duet, which we spoke yeah. about doing. Right, um, I, like that's at that point you kind of have to go like the universe is trying. The to universe tell is giving you like a kind of like a, a you know that's like what here it, you go dumb fuck Charlie and the cho- <laughs> like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. You got the golden ticket basically like what you're not going to go to the chocolate factory i mean like at that point you go to the fucking oh, chocolate factory I, bro I, like, I, I thought like, about like, like at that point like let's go to the chocolate i factory. thought about going to the chocolate factory a couple times yeah, with her. i'm sure yeah yeah i know what you mean like wink wink nudge nudge the other kind of like <laughs> <laughs> but i mean that notwithstanding i'm talking about the chocolate factory of like not that chocolate factory, but now that we're talking about it. No, <laughs> so, but you know what, man? Um, so the, because the thing is, like, it it got a little complicated because ours was technically my solo project. project. Yeah. yeah, I signed as a solo artist all those years ago to do it however I wanted to. And I, I told DreamWorks, I said, ours records could be me and a cello uh-huh. or it could be a, a, a orchestra. Um, so there's no defining it. It's just like, I, again, like I was seeing it as like, um, you know, a Bjork kind of like career. Like I just kind of do, I, I didn't see it as like, this is just like a, a four piece rock band. So, but I set it up. It can be whatever it was. As a, yeah, as a solo vehicle. But then as people would get involved with me, um, with it, I would feel a responsibility to looking out for them so that's what happened during that time and i do regret it because um and i say it all the time we talk about with the band and i say you know i i technically i should have finished that tour and just put a record out did you were you around then and going like hey dude why don't you just do this or what she's supportive about whatever whatever you whatever way it was going to go and so was um, our buddy who was playing guitar with us at the time, Static, he said, I don't care what you call it. Like, let's make whatever record you want to make. Like, you want to put it out in your right, like anybody in your atmosphere at that point, I mean, regardless, even if you did call it ours, like, but, but just put something out right then around that mm-hmm. with her in it, you know? Yeah. But that was the... But, but how long ago was that? 
2013. Yeah. Not which feels like now. yesterday yeah. because we, since then, like I said, we've just disappeared. Can you still get her to sing on something or is that? I don't know. I don't, I don't really talk to her much since I didn't go to the chocolate factory, you know? Right. Oh, were, were you, so. were you invited to the chocolate factory? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, no comment. <laughs> yeah. I still have the ticket. I just, uh, you just didn't. Not, not to go longer. Um, but this new album that's called Ours was supposed to be called something else for six years and was like a third album in a trilogy and Mm -hmm. you just like gave up on like how do you for your fans who are waiting for that is it still the same thing just different name it evolved into something um because more um time and um events happened going through um the whole what went on with those four years with uh, you know, with the country and just the election and who was president and you like him, you hate him, all that thing happened. And um, then um, the last year, so without writing specifically about any of it, it just all made its way into the, the thing that became like, this is the record I've been trying to make my entire life. It's mm. no longer just about um, one part of the story. It, it seems like it's become... Like this is the record I was I've been trying to make the whole time, um, so and it's even like that's why I finally even got back to the point of feeling good about putting my face on the cover mm-hmm. for an hours record because I've never felt good about doing that while I have a group of people working with me and mm. part of the the um, the gang feeling like um, taking that lead. So I've always I've always felt guilty about being upfront as much as I'm the guy that has done most of it. Um, I've just felt weird about it, but finally, I think a step in the right direction to get a, yeah, to you know around the psychoanalyzing it as you were. I think I've taken a step into accepting mm-hmm. it and feeling good about it. Yeah, and um, lean into it and leaning into it. So yeah, well, that's but, good, man. I'm proud. I mean, I'm happy for you. Proud sounds weird. <laughs> like, I'm happy for you. You know, like. Uh, yeah, because we're all just always overcoming our limitations and our own self, you know, and p- believe me, I got a whole laundry list of that bullshit too, you know, and it's like, and just so it's like nice when you can kind of like do things to overcome that stuff. Do you do you have like an active practice or do you follow like any kind of like religion or meditation or anything or like you're into yoga too, right? Like or yeah, do you do um, stuff to help you get you know to overcome these type of things i run a lot yeah i run a lot and um that's what that's from what (laughs) i'm joking that's (laughs) that's valid though that's basically it i'm really running um i feel like i'm running to something Mm -hmm. my whole life more than running from it um but years ago i was out um running around where the studio is and you know i go out i look pretty odd when i'm running because i'll just go running in jeans and maybe like tank top and i'm going way back when holding a bag of cash covered in tattoos (laughs) or something like a beanie on sunglasses or something um and the cops stopped me like what are you running from and i was like no time for this life (laughs) but um so then i i did feel for a brief moment there, like I was running from things, but for a long time now it's been like towards something. And 
that helps me the most with my head. Yeah, um, I run too. I'm a runner. I almost went today, but I didn't. I went yesterday. I did six miles, six and a half. Wow. Yeah, that, like, well, these, these are barefoot running shoes right here. I was wondering. Yeah, because they, they look like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I got the ones with toes. I don't really run in the barefoots that often, though. I do sometimes, but. Well, that, it makes yeah. sense because I was going to ask you be somehow. You you look really young. Yeah, you too. Yeah, I'm older than you though. I'm 49. Wow. Yeah. yeah, but I um. Yeah, I do a lot to take care of myself. I fast on a regular basis, mm -hmm. and you know, but like you know, I've also partied a lot and done all that kind of crazy shit too. So it's also genetics, I think. But um, you know, and I pray a lot. Like I, you know, I, like for me, it's like uh, I pray a lot specifically you know but uh do you have any kind of connection with that kind of stuff i like, do yeah. i do um yeah i guess like um many people through the years have um searched yeah. and looked for answers we grew up catholic uh -huh. um my aunt is a nun um praise jesus yes and um <laughs> i've always felt um a lot from that. I, I saw a lot of um, hypocrisy and contradiction in a yeah, lot of, of course, it yeah. that, that bothered me, but I, I always tried to not um, hold that against the, um, the positive aspects of it. Right, right. Um, so I've gotten a lot from it. Mm -hmm. um, I've gotten a, a lot of great things from those years and, and the message um, from from my aunt my connection with her mm. um but through through the years of looking at a bunch of the different ones like you know for the last many many years like buddhist mindset was the one that made the most sense to me mm -hmm. going back now to around like 94 or so when i really stopped putting anything um you know i I don't want to give the wrong impression. I'm, I'm open to talk about anything, but I'm not like, wasn't like a big drug user mm. or anything. Um, I've done my share of things, but in in like 94 or so, I just stopped putting anything that I thought was harmful. And that was a step backwards in um, my growth as, you know, spiritually and mentally and physically being at the peak level of, human physical peak performance because being like obsessed with Bruce Lee and many people like that and growing up being a BMX racer mm -hmm. I was always about um just like Olympic style insane discipline discipline and pushing the human body yeah. that's part of like my singing of like that physical thing yeah it is physical you're singing it's that and way so too. I looked at singing as an Olympic event, uh -huh. so I had to get into really good shape to do it. Yeah. Um, so around then, like that's when things started to really lean more towards the Buddhist mindset for me, and then began like yoga and meditations and yeah. um, all different kinds of you know, you know, um, going on shamanic journeys, like all different kinds of things, right. um, just to continue to um, grow and open up um, so I through the years now I've for me I have just taken a bit from anything that's that I view as positive 
um, as a positive way of looking at something that's moving me towards hopefully um, more understanding of myself and how to um, get along with others. So whether it's from you know Buddhism or Judaism or wherever it's from, I, I try to learn something from it. So, I, but I don't practice any specific one. But I do think that I. I, I do my best on a, on a daily basis to live by um, strong moral code mm-hmm. and, and certain values of um, hard work and discipline and, and doing your best to um, be good to yourself and other people and, and trying your best not to hurt anybody along the way and anything that I need to do for myself. I, I really do my best in, in that. And uh, I've, I think in my life, if I can look back on it, I, I feel like I've I've done a good job of that as being a friend to people and and the world. I think through the years it got complicated with women, um, mm-hmm. because it does yeah. in relationships like that, and um, you know, unfortunately, you, you hurt people along the way simply by just maybe not being what they want you to be. Right. It's not like you have to do anything and i guess everybody has to come to terms with that and, and come around to realizing that but i just try to live by that so whatever whatever that would be definite you know not a part of um any sort of recovery um program program or that but i do have daily affirmations and and prayers that i say to myself and things that you know on a daily basis from the time that i wake up to the time that i go to sleep about the way that i try to live my day right um so you concentrate you concentrate on your state of mind when you first wake up and sort of mm -hmm. point yourself in the right direction Mm -hmm. in a a sort of a conscious way yeah and try try to to get really grounded yeah. Early on, so that I could be um, not only good for myself, but good for others, you know. Yeah. So I just feel like, uh, you know, I also learned that as a parent at a young age, to um, that I had to I had to stay in balance because if I gave up too much of myself, um, you know, in a way, like I wanted to show my children, yes, that I'm here for you and. I love you and I'll go to the edge of the earth for you, but I also am my own person and right. I have to continue to take care of myself. Or else what are you going to be? A shell. Yeah, and yeah. my my ambitions and, and hopes and stuff. And your dreams. Yeah. so that shows them how to keep their dreams alive too. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah that's... And uh, then also if you sacrifice your whole world and all your dreams for your kids then you kind of become a codependent on your kids completely and then they're gone yeah when they when they move on to their friends and you're kind of sitting there like what the fuck just happened yeah and you start drinking a lot or something hey what about me (laughs) come on guys come play come play with dad again so i definitely i definitely um emotionally um suffered and went through some stuff as they got older in the sense of missing my connection with them in that way um but it's come around now to you know it's a new thing but you know when it's a it's a pretty magical thing when this little these little creatures just like have faith in you and they love you and they they trust you and you you're responsible for them it's really magical yeah until they don't care about you I heard my daughter's 10 and I feel I lost her already. She's like in a whole other, doesn't need me, whole other universe. 
Yeah, it'll come back around. Yeah, when the second phase, when she's 20-something and likes to hang out with her dad and chat, that'll happen. Just got to get through the teens. All right, let's wrap this up. I have one more question before you wrap it up because it's uh, personal. We've been going like two and a half hours. Almost. So, because this is Joe Rogan stuff. stuff. Because this is the... so and and after you told the Buckley story and the self saboteur story, this kind of all is relevant. Um, so you had, and this was rumors again. So on the road to recovery tour, you came out and played with Slash and Duff oh, yeah. and Velvet Revolver kind of thing. And oh, sang. were you going to be in Velvet Revolver? So that's the rumor, and you sang. Dude, like I want to be in Velvet. And you Revolver. sang some songs, <laughs> and they were. I remember when they Why, came they out. They should take you on as Velvet. Hold on, they're okay. not. They don't exist anymore. But Why in not? 2004, they were like the hottest fucking. Yeah. Or was it? Two, I think it was 2004 when before the first album came out, and then when Scott left, there were rumors that Jimmy is going to be the next singer. And I read somewhere where you decided to focus on your solo career and didn't take that avenue. So what's the whole? Yeah, see, that's why this self sabotage thing could be complicated that, of a topic because right. I th- I thought I was doing the right thing by focusing on me and not taking like a job like that or a position like that. It was offered to you? We spent time together um, playing, yeah. And um, also, um, there were a few things like that that come up like during that time. Um, we started the record with Rick and one of the guys from NXS reached out to me and got me some songs and I started to write songs with him talking about maybe in excess which would have been amazing they were looking for a singer too but michael is just there's no way to replace him so i wasn't yeah. interested in doing that poorly yeah. um but the the velvet thing is a little complicated because it came to me and then you know they put their feelers out and they ask and so i'm kind of focusing on this now i'm going in to make a record with rick and so why I wouldn't leave my own thing to go? Well, to why, go. Can't, why can't you do both? Well, it got it got to that point where I, mean, I, was, I would do, I was I would able to. That goes with me like saying yes to everything. Back to that earlier joke. <laughs> but my instinct would be to do both. Like I I would want to do both. I I would. I was gonna try a couple years later. Okay. Yeah. Um, Axel it, it beat came you ba- to it. It came back around. It, came, it did come back. It around? came back around, and we were talking about it. And I had written some songs and went out to meet with them, and they just Slash had started to do really well with his solo stuff again. Slash so, the Snake Pit or whatever. Um, or? After that, with the Miles, stuff with Miles Kennedy, right? Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. so he what it felt like that he wasn't fully invested invested in it with them, even though I think that they were still trying to make it happen. Matt and and Duff yeah. and Dave. Um, and I love Duff. Like Duff and I are the kind like of other cool. connection there. Like, How did, so you just ran, they heard about you, brought you in and you became friends? Yeah, Duff, Duff was, I think, fighting for me the whole time. Mm-hmm. He believed that I was the guy from the start. Right. And. Um, Even pre-Scott? Yes. And, That's um, amazing. And the story goes because it's really bizarre because my friend called me a friend going way back he went on to like work for vh1 and stuff he said you're not gonna believe this he's like i can't even fucking believe it. it's freaking out i'm sitting here filming them for this like thing that they're doing trying to find a singer no i, I watched that the other night because i went down a scott weiland rabbit hole 
and I went on YouTube. I mean, I'm telling you, I watched this like two weeks ago, dude. That 40-minute documentary of Velvet Revolver yeah. looking for a singer. Yeah. And I'm sitting there watching that going like, man, were they just getting a bunch of like, and no offense to anybody that auditioned, but it was rough. Yeah, it's just like the. I think people just don't have the right idea. It's a documentary about this. It's on YouTube. It's like the right idea. It's like to to what's really needed. It's rough. It made me go like, "Fuck! I wish I would have like tried to got on the call or just tried submit it. Submit it because it just seems like it seemed like if you had like a a, a songwriting aspect to you and could it could sing contribute that you could pretty much it felt like you could just walk into that gig there's a lot to it there's like a well, lot sure of, a is. lot of layers but but he said to me so duff comes in and says i just seen this guy at the viper room that's our guy that's and the, and the story goes that Crazy. matt sorum said He's a fucking Buckley wannabe. Oh and then Duff turns around and says, why do you got to be so fucking negative? <laughs> yeah, there's a, that's that thing on the documentary. He goes so, into that negative thing. So my buddy's like, they're fighting about you. Wow. That's crazy, that's dude. Insane. Because I literally watched that two weeks ago, dude. Like you're, you're talking like that thing's like ancient history now. But I, like to me... That sounds like something I just watched on TV two weeks ago. Like that's so funny. Yeah, I know exactly. Yeah, very good. I didn't know this. And, then dude. I didn't and know the this layers, either. the layers, like go on and on because right. we'll go into it a little go bit. Into it, okay, go so, into it. So that happens. They get wilding and blah blah blah. Who was great in it? But the drug thing. Yeah. He I mean, was, I love. I'm a fan. A I'm a fan chances. of wilding. Totally. I'm a totally. fan. Yeah. Yeah. Super great. Yeah. Um, and sad, like all of it. Yeah. Like, um, Oh, the layers get yeah, get, the layers. get deep here. So, yeah. um, so Matt nixed you the first time so, around. Yeah, he Matt wasn't really into it. Um, did you so, go so audition? The, so the story goes, no, no. Okay. They ended up getting Scott. We went on, did our thing. Get a call in the middle of this tour, like one of our solo hours headlining tours for the Mercy record, saying that it's um, it's not working out with Scott. Would you be into jumping in and finishing a tour Fuck. with the band? And Dude. I said. I yeah, yes. I would do it, but I just need you to understand that it's not as simple as it as it seems. These people, I've been playing now for these rock audiences, and they don't like me. I just want you to know that I'm being honest. They don't like me. We've toured with a bunch of rock bands, and I'm not rock enough for them for some reason. So there's something going on. So I just need you to know that it's not going to be as simple. Like I can sing those songs inside and out. Hold on. Like, this is like this is a level of honesty that's just too intense. Like that you're like telling them it goes the, on the problem. Keep going, keep going. Keep going. That's intense though. What you just said, but keep going. I will do it with them. But we need to go make a record together. Right. And it needs to stand on its own. And I believe that we can do it. Right. But here's a few things that the questions that I have. One, where's Izzy Stradlin? Because he was a big part of the writing. Mm-hmm. And I, I can tell you that I, I write like crazy and I do. And I believe that I could write great songs with them. I wanted more insurance. I wanted to be great again, like Appetite for Destruction. Right. Whereas Izzy Stradlin, one. Right. Two, would you be into taking two singers, myself and James Hall? 
Wow. Are you kidding me? <laughs> this guy over this here. This guy. What the <laughs> fuck? This is guy. You might be a saint. Because we were talking about it. You might be a saint, dude. I'm J- not kidding. James That's and I were talking crazy. about this idea of evil twin. That's an actually a really a good evil, idea. Evil twin and the two of us singing. Wow. And like, it would be like. And so Holy to me, shit. that's about- a great idea, dude. That's so the- now I get the sound of music reference too, because this is so musical theater as well. And that's why your problem with rock audiences is you're kind of a musical theater person, aren't you? A little bit. And I, I, and I mean I, I, that I think as a compliment. I, I must be. Yeah, I, I think, I think like- so. So what'd they say to that? Um, Who's James Hall? <laughs> no, they, they, they would know James or their, at least Duff would, I bet. Their manager, I bet. Um, Rick, Rick, something at the time, um, said, "Jimmy, I have a lot of respect for you. You're a great artist, but like you're the a, ask is a, too a little off for for not recognizing like these." And he went down their credentials as far as like all the hits that they had with Velvet Revolver because I was not recognizing Velvet to Revolver. him. I wasn't recognizing where they were at and what they had done. Yeah, and in all honesty, and I, people might not like me for this but i stand by it yeah. i still am not recognizing it if you're talking about the difference between a velvet revolver record or appetite for destruction or even a stone temple pilots record to me it wasn't even close the, no. the pilots are amazing appetite's amazing so i don't really want to be in like a b-grade band right like let's it's a b-grade band with an a-level record publicity everything that goes with that b-level band it's a c-level band you don't think you cut see my yes it is yes my ego would walk into that can i give give you my ego on this situation no you're not i'd walk in there going like i'm gonna make this better than appetite for destruction just me (laughs) <laughs> I'm not saying that's right, but I'm just saying that's where my ego would be like. I, But like, I think your idea sounds super genius, but where's the part of you that goes like, I can just walk into this and bring it to that place. I, I knew and I then suggest is he fine? I knew I could. I just didn't want to wear the uniform. What does that mean? I don't want to wear the rock uniform. Like start like now I got to go up there. Axel had his dance. Wyland's got his dance. Like, oh, I got to go up there and Maybe I got to do Liam Gallagher. No dance. Just stand still. <laughs> put the hands behind the back. I mean, you could you could do your own. It is thing. a hard gig to you fill. could do your own thing. Of course it is. Yeah. But that like I love everything you said, but I, I'm going to push back a little bit on there's there's some part of you that I, I feel like there's like. Uh, like it's coming it looks like it's coming from the higher self everything and i think a lot of it is what you said what you're suggesting but i also think there's some fear in there too that's that prevented you from just going for it on your own with your own talent because you have an incredible talent and you you know you walking into that and their manager had a really good point with the whole thing you're not recognizing and okay okay in terms of compared to uh, Appetite for Destruction era, Guns N' Roses, but that's like top five rock bands of all time type of territory. That's like heavy, maybe or top 10 or whatever before anybody loses their mind or whatever and makes a list. And then Stone Temple Pilots, I'm a big fan of them too, so I can see where you're saying with that too. But Velvet Revolver, in their, just on their own merits, 
you're right. It doesn't re- it, it doesn't get up to that level, but it's still pretty high level. Like it's high level people. Like I just I, didn't know how to connect like honestly to um and I and um I hear you and and I love I love pushing back on it. Like now we, it's we can a, have a, yeah. now we can have a talk about it, which is great. Yeah. Um I just really honestly felt like it was like yeah. a band that wouldn't have even made it in the 80s like when guns was around and doing all that i felt like no yeah. because everyone I felt came like, to see them because of slash I, and dust i just period, felt in the store yeah, i just felt like it was like it's, no, i don't even hits, know dude they had a couple of good slither hits. name one other one the other one the ballad fall one. down fall yeah okay yeah, yeah, yeah. Falling other down than the, and they have that's, two that's albums a good song. but so but but they, they so they didn't like this idea fall of to you pieces. and fall, fall, fall to pieces, pieces yeah. yeah you didn't like this idea of james <laughs> hall and they didn't like this idea of james i think he, i think Izzy. it was just very very quickly dismissed the manager right. probably and, never presented and it you know april can tell you and i I'm probably if i look through my my email i could find it mm-hmm. and um where i told them straight up there were a couple things i i laughed about it. i said oh man you gotta think I'm fucking crazy. I'm like, balls of steel. I'm crazy because yeah. the last thing was like, and where's Izzy Stradlin? That's how I ended the email. And where's Izzy Stradlin? And so then they sent me songs with them, like, like recorded ideas. And instead of just like bringing it to Pro Tools and singing on it and making stuff up, I rewrote guitar parts and how i felt it should go you see you're a pain in the ass and I, like, I'm, already, I'm already like this guy like so here's here's like, what it was i'd rather have fucking wyland and his drug problems i mean for fuck's sake so, i gotta deal with this guy can we just get a junkie in here that won't show up i mean what the fuck dude like i mean that's funny <laughs> this guy seemed like a good deal on paper it's like Wyland without the drug problem, but then there's a whole other thing going on. Holy oh my god, completely. So, but that's what happens. So just to just to oh, wait, all this is uh, after you were dude. on stage and sang with them, or the on stage after. was after all this. Which came this first. is after. Um, so they I saw you them, play with them and sing with which, them. Which which Duff hell, was dude. fighting for the whole time. And um, so then if you look back at the footage and, and after I sing, look for I sing It's So Easy or Slither, one of them, you'll see Duff turn around to all of them and go like this, like, like basically I fucking told you right. and because we crushed it. But the thing was just to quickly explain about this guitar thing, I, I was really struggling with like, it just sounded like these, these riffs that sounded again, like almost like Rage Against the Machine, like like Hendrixy riffs mm-hmm. that I didn't know how to sing over. So so I would take like a riff that was like and like turn it into like I would put swing in it. So I played it back and so maybe I took something that was in four and I put it in six. And I, and so to me, I, it, it just kind of shifted it from sounding a little bit like Rage to like now it sounds maybe a little like Zeppelin. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, what do you think about this? And so then that's when everything just Nobody died. replied. That's when it all died. <laughs> when it was just like, yeah. Slash said, Jimmy, we love you. We, th- we think you're awesome, but we can't really figure out what we're doing. All right. 
at this point. Mm -hmm. And I think that was a nice way of saying, like, yo, you, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, What man? are you replaying my shit for? <laughs> You're like that hot girlfriend that just won't cooperate. Like, you know I don't mean, like, cooperate in terms of, like, you know, anything like uh forcefully se like sexual yeah. I, I just mean like let's play along <laughs> I, I, I just mean like you I got, know, I like everything on i'm gonna argue with you on everything exactly difficult. that's 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 how i mean it just be difficult like mm -hmm. okay every like hey you want to go see a movie yeah i do but uh <laughs> you know can we just go to the fucking movies man like <laughs> so so that's pretty funny man. but there are, there are a few more it's really, really story. interesting letters. In really case, good story. Go in ahead. In case you want the story to get even better. Yes. Yeah, yeah, go, go. Axel called you what? I said to them, because I believed that, and whatever, whether they remember this or recognize it would say it's bullshit or not, I know the truth. I said to them at that moment in time, like, are you guys sure you can't just like work it out with, with Axel? Oh, with Axel. Because. Amazing. Like, really? Like, you sure you can't fucking work it out? Because I knew that was the next move. Axel was out playing again, yep. right. and his numbers were dropping. And it was like, he has nowhere else to go. The truth is, like, he's tried for years. Right. And he, he can hold people off for a long time. We're building this record. It blah, 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 blah. But the reality set in. S arenas and then shh, going down, going down, going down. In my, yeah. in my visuals and in, in my gut... I was like, he needs them back, and why not? Why not do it? Right. So I again was almost saying to Duff, like, why don't you? Why don't you guys just see if you can work that out? So Duff called me back, and he was Duff was walking into a Lana Del Rey show, and so maybe I came to his mind because of I don't know, maybe his daughter was like, hey, you know, Jimmy's like, I don't I don't know how or why he thought of me going to Lana, but right. he said, do you want to just do this? And this is when I had the conversation with him. And I said, look, check it Duff out. Duff was like, okay, you overcomplicated it. But then Duff was like, I can just appeal to you to just go ahead and just be normal about this and do it. Right? He said, can you do just me a favor? Just cooperate. Can you just cooperate? Yeah. Basically. Send, send me, the, send me the, um, the audio recording of you. Like one morning I went to the school and I played November Rain on the piano and I sang it. And I sent it to Duff and I said, this is, this is where you guys should be at. Right. And, um, and, and Duff was blown away by it. And so he called me and he said, can you just send that recording to me again so I can send it around to the band? Because he was still trying to sell them right, um, on me yeah, because yeah. I, you know, I changed Slash's parts. And, 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 and Matt Storm, I believe, was not a fan yet. Right. Yeah, until he heard that. And I don't think Matt Storm's necessarily a fan of me as a singer and artist, but what would happen, Chester called me. Chester's singing for the Stone Temple Pilots. Yep. Chester called me and said, I'm, I need to leave the band. That's, I, I have to focus on Lincoln Park. There's too much going on. And I, I know Chester going back because Rick had told me that um, Chester, you know, Chester said, you're his favorite singer in the world. He loves you. Rick would tell me, this, like, Yo, Chester loves you. He wants me to tell you he loves you. And I was like, oh, okay. That's nice to hear. Um, so... We connected, and like Chester would always like call me and like he say, "Well, I'm driving around Los Angeles, screaming your songs at the top of my lungs," and um, you know him and another friend, and they say, oh, "We love you." And so Chester called me and he he said, "Would you consider singing for the Stone Temple Pilots if I can convince them that I'm gonna leave, but I I have an amazing 
you know, replacement. Mm -hmm. And he did leave. And so I said, here we go again. I love the Stone Temple Pilots. I really do. Um, But here I am again, like maybe replacing Wyland. And I still don't think that their audience is going to like me. Mm -hmm. But I love those brothers and um, I, I can't stop rooting for them. I can't. It's like I just feel so bad for them. So Chester leaves. I don't hear anything for a little bit. All of a sudden, I get a call from Dean DeLeo, the guitar player. Mm -hmm. Chester gave me a number, told me. He's like, we didn't really want to reach out for a bit because we were just so crushed and pissed. And Mm. But we're coming around to listening to your stuff, and would you come do it? And I said, "Um, I, I love your music, and I can do it. Um, Except you gotta rewrite this I can't do it. I'm perfect part. in every way, but no. But I let's, can't. But let's I'm see. Not gonna, but I'm not gonna. But do let's. It. Sorry. But let's see if it'll work. If you guys will feel it. Yeah. So I went out for a weekend and sang with Great. them. And you know, just being and able to being able to sing like. And you crushed it. You know, Come on, you crushed it. You crushed and I'm kind of looking around the room like. I'm just like, uh, you know, just opening an eye here and then. I'm like, I'm fucking singing with the Stone Temple Pilots. This is awesome. That's amazing, and dude. <laughs> so we Thank leave. God, you opened up this rabbit hole, dude. This I was waiting. Was this is unbelievable. I didn't know this shit, dude. So I leave. I didn't know the STP After the weekend. Yeah. Maybe I did, yeah. And um, we we kept it pretty hush because they asked me not to really talk about it. Because, mm-hmm. um, you know, they're being private about it. And... Um, and I, I dig that. It's like Italian boys. They're like, let's keep the information close to, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to the vest. So um, I didn't really talk about it much um, until after they got a singer and all that. And I'm like, okay, I think we can talk about it. Um, but they were, they were upset with me a little bit um, because like, you can fucking do this. And I said, I think this, and now, so this is right before Scott died. And um, You're and Chester away. was still alive and everything. And I said, "Let's do it. Let's let's make a new band." I said, "If we go as the Stone Temple Pilots, I know you wrote the songs, but we might start right away getting some easy tours because you're the pilots. Yeah. But after a while, I feel like it's gonna slide down. If we start from scratch, we maybe start at the Bowery Ballroom, and we might finish the cycle at Terminal Five. And then let's go make another record. Right. Let's start again. I agree with you. Oh, that's I would not a never bad. That's that. not a bad instinct. What they but say that's to what that. I wanted to do right. in, with Velvet. The same exact thing. Yeah, yeah. It's not a bad instinct. It's the same thing I wanted to do. But let's we, build we, it on our own thing, and we'll we'll start here. But Velvet but we, was a new but thing. But Velvet, STP, you complicated too. STP, though, a lot. I get it because I would never go see them with anyone other than Scott. I have zero interest. Yeah, it is a little weird. I agree. Yeah. I, I I think it's always a little weird when they when people replace the singer with the thing, and, and they uh, felt like reason. they were doing it well because they had played shows with Chester and the crowds are still yeah, coming. But Chester, but, but that's Chester, Chester. his own audience. That's yeah, like that's true. ACDC taking Axel, Axel, and of course everyone will fucking yeah. come out. Yeah, but a million percent. To, but but yeah. my theory, because I was at those Axel DC shows, is when a band is so big and and you need to replace the singer under the same name it has to be someone that will outdo the singer by a mile or and the only one that could replace brian johnson brian 
was fucking Axel, and Axel was better than him. It was one of the best shows I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Axel surpassed him by like a mile, and it would never have worked. Don't say a mile. No, I it would. Those shows were. It would never have worked with. So what you're saying, I understand. Unless you switch the name and it's something else, it can't be STP with you. Chester that's, is like bringing Axel in. Yeah, and that's exactly how I felt. And I what said, look, we'll still. This is exactly you could what they said. Play STP songs, just call it something else. Exactly. I said, look, we can still we'll make an entire record, twelve that's songs. We can bad. we can throw in five STP songs yeah. in that set, two hour songs. That's true. So, you know, twenty song set will be good from to headline from record one. Right. We'll still be good. Yeah. Good point. Um, so, um, Dean. Could also call it like Stone Temple Riots or something like <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, like just it, you, play off of it. Just play off of it, like you know, it doesn't. Yeah, At which I was completely Actually, down to Stone do. Stone Temple Riots is not a bad. I mean, idea. They, they anyway, just, so what they say though? Who's the new singer? They replaced the singers. Anyone yes, know his name? Jeff. Well, he doesn't. I don't. Uh, yeah, I know it because I I went right. and, and the last tour they did. Like the and, and he's yeah. a super yeah. nice right, guy. But the last tour they did. What did they play? They played not even like theaters or whatever it was. But that's what I was telling them in my instinct what was going to happen that i said i can't do it with this one i'm on board with what you're saying i I am on this one any and even the initial thing with what you were saying with velvet revolver i think it's a genius idea like james hall and you doing it get izzy on that's that's next level musical rock and roll theater however i would say also then and we get jack white to play drums Well, that's cool too, but like I would say then, but like just go ahead and play ball just as as a, as a singer doing it their way as well. But uh, what did Stone Temple Pilot say to this? Dean said, um, "Why don't you get your finger out of your pussy and get out here and sing for the Stone Temple Pilots?" <laughs> Can we quote you on that? <laughs> I think we just did. That's very and, funny. And I fell over laughing, and he said, "You see that man? You're laughing. You're laughing. You're a Jersey boy. Come on, get the fuck out here and do this." And just do it. And then what happened? You didn't. You didn't. I said, do I, it. "I can't do it if we're going to call it the Stone Temple Pilots." Um, but otherwise, I'm down to to write a new record with you guys and, and go out and do it. And he said, um, "Look, we just went through a whole lawsuit to get this name, and Scott was still alive. Like I said." We paid a lot of money to get this name. Right. We, we have to use it. And I said, I, I fully understand your position. I respect it. I'm bummed because I want to play with you guys. But, but I can't like that. And um, so then yeah, they found an, another singer. And then um, Chester, you know, unfortunately took his life. I, I went to Aruba with my friend. My friend was going and he was like, come on, come to Aruba, come to Aruba. I'm like, I don't, I don't want to go. Like, I'm working. I can't get away. He's like, you need to get out of that studio. Let's go. So he brings me to Aruba. I'm there for about a day and I get a call. Um, we want you to come to California to sing at Chester's Memorial. Who said that? My, my buddy who um, was also friends with, with Chester, a guy named Renee. Okay. Um, so he said, uh, you know, you and the pilots and Matt Sorum, you know, put something together. I come out and you got to do it. And I said, all right, let me, let me figure this out. So I immediately got out of Aruba and got there, rehearsed, got into a room with Matt Sorum. And, um, I know you. (laughs) And then we, uh, we played, we rehearsed. This guy again. We rehearsed. um, (laughs) Who called him? I can't get away from this guy. But you know what? Like a a really beautiful, weird thing that happened, which um, 
I'm I'm not like I'm not bragging about it, but it was really beautiful to to see. It's like when I got there, um, the brothers, um, Robert and Dean, like Robert was like, you know what? That was our fault. That was our fault for expecting you to be anything else, but you're fucking Jimmy Necco, man. And like Robert was like saying that to me. He's like, you're fucking Jimmy Necco. Right. That's who you're supposed to be. Right. Because all of a sudden, I guess he he heard some other stuff, some music, and it, it became clear to oh, them. I see. I see where that, you're like, coming. Yeah. That I made the right choice. So. But you were saying by by saying no to them as being in the Stone Temple Pilots, you were sort of saying yes to yourself and your own identity mm-hmm. and valuing yourself on the same level as them by saying let's start a whole new thing i get it now yeah so I just got it then we re- played amazing grace all night like the most beautiful version and just rehearsed it over and over to get it you know nice and um it became clear to everyone in the room that we can play music together and we would certainly do completely our own thing mm-hmm. and um so we played the next day at the memorial and um we walked off stage and we were all kind of like crying and um the like the brothers like kind of like pulled me in and they were like wiping tears and said like i think that's the fucking best show we've ever played in our lives man like everybody was emotional about it yeah. and you know so i was kind of feeling like we can do that every night you know like that's that's kind of what we project, that's kind of what man. we do in hours like we we tap into that emotional nerve mm-hmm. like so that's what i was trying to say like we could did you like the way that felt other than the sadness like that's that's what we do we're alive and awake and present in the moment mm-hmm. and playing off of one another and that's what i want to be a part of and we can do that and what they say well they just they were already in motion with their yeah, new singer. Just kept going. So they. Um, but it could still come back around. There's a side project. I'm, yeah, I'm singing on something for Robert. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Um, yeah, for um, for Robert's solo stuff, I'm going to sing on something for him. That's cool. And um, so this is going to come back around. I have a feeling. Yeah, and I love those boys. Like, I'll. Let me ask you this real quick. Before, like, when you first say, like, when when they go, "Come on, get your finger out of your pie, your pie hole." <laughs> And uh, you're a Jersey boy, you get it. And then you're like, uh, ha ha, but uh, no, I'm still not doing it. When you hang up that call, right? And then like, wh- how much of you goes like, what? what's the, and you're a Libra, you said? Because mm-hmm. to me, I hang up that phone and then I'm like, going, what? like I- I'm at war with myself at that moment. Are you at war with yourself mm-hmm. or are you at peace? Total peace because really? I was, this happened during the few days that, we started, like we were in the recording studio, mm-hmm. um, recording drums. So I was, I was currently dealing with something else because I had um, Lenny Kravitz's drummer, it's got Franklin mm-hmm. in the studio with us trying to record some drums mm. and I was trying to get him focused, you know? So um, yeah. I hung up the phone with Dean and I said, okay, well, let's get these drums. I, right. I, I had a plan already, so. You're already like, in motion. Yeah, and so yeah luckily through all these times whether it was like uh, the first one that I called which was strange was uh, i got a call about alice in chains mm-hmm. early oh on my god uh, right they we yeah, had they him all, on who did they replace william him? duvall yeah william duvall he's 
He's awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's awesome. He's but he's got an interesting part. backstory too. Yeah. Um, Another Atlanta guy. Yeah. They yeah. called you when they were looking for a singer. Yeah, yeah. It was kind of the question of like, do you, you know, do you want us to throw your name in the yeah. hat? Yep. Um, hey, Poppy, how come nobody ever calls me for this? <laughs> Maybe you're not answering your phone. <laughs> you were tapped by quite a few people, That's Poppy. True. This guy, we can't talk about half of them, but like everyone wants him for his amazing songwriting skills, his singing, like. Wow. And, and I feel with you, not to overshadow anything, but you do walk in and just make it better. Thanks, dude. And he has with a couple of big names that, you know, it's pretty much them it's backing Joseph that. Arthur. I need to say no more like you do, though. You are inspiring me. It's good. <laughs> it's good to say no. It's good to just be wanted. Just say no. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, there's a, there's a lot to talk about, but um, a lot of interesting stuff that... It's like really that oh yeah that happened like um then I was dating um John Bonham's daughter Zoe oh really and um so a few people had asked me to sing for them <laughs> for Zeppelin <laughs> no 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 for a few people the had, had asked me to sing like that she knew about it Zoe knew that I'd kind of said no to Velvet the first time like it's not that I said no like I was gonna be the guy but they asked me if I was interested and. I was just always like, not really. Um, Not because I don't love you, but because I have to think about whether or not we can do it well. Um, So her brother called her after they, Zeppelin did the reunion show. And um, I guess they were like jamming with singers and her brother, Jason, called you said, do you think Jimmy would do it? Like Jimmy and I were talking about, you know, wondering. And Zoe said, no, no, he, he would never do that. And then she told me and I was like, oh. That's the one thing I would have said yes to. <laughs> I was like, Zoe. Zeppelin. Yeah, you would. That, that's high level, yeah. That's amazing. That's the one, crazy. The one time that's you the one. Said yes, and yeah, of like, course. Nah, mm-hmm. He's not going to do it. Yeah. And then, you know, um, like a year and a half ago, so I toured with uh, Royston Langdon yeah. from Space Hog. Yeah, I know Royston. And we were talking about the Velvet thing, too, because he briefly did it. Yeah. Uh, is that right? Yeah. yeah and he's like, he's like, yeah, and I really wanted to do it. And Slash liked me. And I and then we were talking about it, and I was feeling bad because I'm like, mm, well, Duff wanted me to do it. Yeah, right. <laughs> so that was part of, like, the why, you know, they couldn't decide. Right. And I, and I felt really guilty about it because Roy's so sweet. And he's like, oh, I would have really loved doing it. And I felt like such a brat because I was just like, <laughs> Well, no, I wasn't buddy, really I into it, <laughs> but I mean, what happened? So that once the once Scott passed, or it was done before Scott passed, wasn't it? Well, they gave him a sec. He, he was out. Then they gave him a second chance. They did another thing, and then it was just over. And they never went back out. Hmm. And yeah. then guns happened. So right now, guns is back. All right. And Slash was doing Miles Kennedy for a very long time. Mm-hmm. So when's the next gig? When's your next gig? You got any gigs booked in New um, York or anything no, like that? No shows. Yeah, you're you playing Monday. I'm playing Monday at City Winery. Yeah, it's my third one. Come I just down. Did, awesome. Yeah, come down time. if you put want. You yeah, on eight, the list. we'll put eight. you on the list. Eight p.m. Okay. I got an art show upstairs. I paint, so I got our art show up there. And I'll definitely come. Please cool. do, man. That's yeah. great. Yeah. I love that you do that. You come as, too. Yeah. As as well. Like I, I want to talk to you more about that because yeah. I've always seen that as a huge part of like years and years ago. Like right when I signed, 
I I started to um, in in '97 like I started to do a few events like this where yeah. I felt like um, I don't I don't really paint or anything, but I would play shows and I would have people bring canvases with them, okay. and have them paint ah. while wow, I was yeah. while yeah. I was playing, and I really really loved that. So like. Yeah, how you do it with I the do, loops and everything and like live, that's yeah. pretty awesome and i got my foot drum set which is like a whole new level yeah that's that's what i was thinking before yeah. you brought it up because that's got to add a whole other it adds like, a lot. layer to it it's interesting it, you'll see it it's 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 amazing because you know i have like the stomp board and then i have the loop thing and then but like the stomp board is like you know kind of more of a live feeling but this foot drum setup is like like kick snare hat it's like and a crash and once you kind of get yourself used to it, it, it just, yeah, it just does this whole thing where it's like, okay, it's like, it, it, it's starting to get to a place where it's like, it's starting to sound like not just like one guy doing things. It's, mm -hmm. and, it, and But yet it's alive. So it's not like the looping thing where that can be kind of a little sort of muted in a way too, because, well, for one, it's so played out that so many people do that now is is one thing but um you know yeah it's just interesting it's, and so you 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 um you just keep you playing to it live or do you do you also loop i don't loop that yet i mean i haven't figured that out but i do i will i have like on the first show i ever did was at city winery i i still have my looping thing and i have like a nord drum as well mm -hmm. so i was looped that sometime and then i played my new live drums to that so then it became oh, cool like i did that a couple times but i didn't know i was going to do that it like was like discovering enough going but on what already. the thing is is it's like what's interesting is with music and with art and just being an artist is like the more you kind of like you know um keep your enthusiasm alive and keep your spirit alive like this stuff can keep rejuvenating and you can, and like, even though like say, okay, we're like in our, you know, um, I mean, even though we look dashing, we're like, you know, approaching <laughs> our like 50, 50th year, you know, but you could still be very sort of like full of energy and this thing can just keep rebuilding. Age, ageless. Dude, ageless. it's and like. When you're in that zone, in that space, it's you, just ageless. Yeah. It's Jedi it's shit. It's like, so we can get into that Jedi shit. I'm rooting for both of us to just remain <laughs> Jedis. The other thing too is like, um, I think it was Napoleon Hill and Think and Grow Rich or one of those old school self-help books like from the 30s. And they talk about what's the prime of a, a man's life, you know, or a human's life. But like back then oh, in the right. 30s, they would just that. say a man's life or whatever you get. It. <laughs> but like, you know, and, and, and the, the prime is uh, 40 to 60. That's mm. like what they said back in the 30s. So it's like, and I think that's really true, but that the idea is that because it's the combination of both, like you still have enough youth to be like silly about it and be dumb about it, but you and have like experience. experience. Yeah. So, so I'm like the next like 10, 15 years for us, man, that's when it's all going to really happen. We've been like, we've been like, you know, sort of like manifesting and festering like good wine or something. And now we're about to go. I truly truly feel that way and yeah um and believe that it's not like trying to like trying to be optimistic or anything right like that. but i truly truly feel that and i i just hope because of what i do is so physically taxing yeah that i can keep up with it but if if i can yeah. i couldn't be any more happy about where we are yeah and what we're doing right now because it is about 
that that space and something about that all coming together because it wouldn't have been possible it wouldn't have been possible 20 something years ago right to to be for me personally i can say to be in in this space as much as i would have wanted to have this mindset with that kind of energy it just wouldn't have been possible i feel you on that i feel this i feel a very similar way like something is like dialed in that it took this long for me to dial in and it doesn't just feel like wishful thinking optimism either it it feels genuine yeah and i feel almost whether this is an appropriate thing to say or not uh, and i feel even silly about it that it's even taking taking like this long in life but even like um in a in a like a romantic or sexual way in life yeah still i feel like wow it took me a, a long like i've been you know doing all kinds of shit for my entire life since i was young but like it took all this time to feel like okay yeah i'm i'm kind of feeling it now like feeling what's up i i, I think like I know in a zone like yeah. just like in a zone to where i feel like um yeah i don't know age the, what i'm saying is the age is a, is a good thing age is a good thing well on that level too i use sexual transmutation now to a level that i just never did before so that keeps my energy into a into a vitality that's like pretty intense because you know i don't want to go all tmi or make a hoot uncomfortable or yeah anything. that's that's what i'm saying like but, i don't want to get all but, weird about it but like I, I retain and i like keep that energy and funnel it back up like i don't know you know what i mean like i i utilize that energy and i don't waste it mm-hmm. that, like yeah that's that's kind of what i'm getting is at. that where you were getting at yeah. too and yeah. like to, like i never i didn't know that shit before and i and i was believe me i was like it was going every which way but lose you know like and so now to be able to focus it it's like that's pretty intense mm-hmm. it's like an intense thing it's like yeah where that can go you know and then yeah. this day and age we live in too which is just this wild time of like i mean i don't want to go all down this rabbit hole of the whole like v thing and everything like that and what's going on with all that but like that's a whole other rabbit hole but we are living in intense spiritual times like spirit to me we are living in the middle of a spirit war that's like unprecedented and intense and i feel like i am right where i'm supposed to be on it and i'm like it feels spooky and crazy but i also feel like i am supposed to be here now and i Mm -hmm. have a purpose here now and if that seems like a megalomaniacal thing to think or say whatever i think we're all here for a reason so it's not megalomaniacal because i don't I I don't think I, it's just me that's supposed to be here. I think it's all of us yeah. and everybody that's here right now. There is we're supposed to use our voices and we're supposed to rise up and yep. we're supposed to like really rise to this occasion right now. Mm-hmm. I agree, and that's that that goes back to the the record title and all that. That's yep. the whole thing because I feel Ours. like we're we are all like this is a time of certain like spiritual. Mm-hmm. war thing happening Absolutely. but but at the same time the opportunity to really it's to dude, really have this sight from the, it and we're looking forward and getting to the side it can provide us with great great sight with us. and that was what spectacular incredible. sight was supposed to be about like we got through through that this hell and this journey of of it it provided us with these new tools and this sight of like okay that was rough but 
but we're on the other side and it's you know um but then in it, it brought it to full circle about like why I even called the band ours. So that's mm-hmm. the whole thing. It's ours wasn't to do with the players or anything. It was to do with, with all of us, like mm-hmm. as, as, as a collective, collective, uh, you, you know, world mm-hmm. with all of it and, and being I feel you. together and in a space together, finally. So this idea of like, this just brought, you get it. We are all here now. We're all together. Mm-hmm. Welcome everyone. Welcome. <laughs> like, not not about like our music or anything mm-hmm. like that, but just together, like welcome. This experience has now brought us all mm-hmm. together. As much as it's been polarizing in the country, mm-hmm. and you know that whole thing. Mm-hmm. The my hope and prayer is that at the end of all of it, it, it does bring us to. It's currently t- tough, which is the rabbit hole, mm. and <laughs> yeah. But For the real. hope is. Oh, you know, a, a world where we do get to that space as a result of all this stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Man, you said it, dude. Thank you for coming on. What a yeah. great episode! This is a long thank, time in the making. Thank you. Are you kidding I'm me sorry, with this it, episode? It took a while, but Wait, how what? long is this? Oh episode? no, not not a long time in the making. It's been going on for three hours this and our, ten minutes. This is our longest ever episode. Uh, Keith uh, Morris. Oh. talked longer <laughs> i think keith was three and a half hours but whatever it's, wow it, it, it went long like, but it was great didn't feel long. when i say a long time in the making we've been emailing for like no, I've, a year I, now i, I think no yeah. i know i know i've been <laughs> i've been looking forward to to you coming on for a yeah, long time yeah. I, yeah, pre- I really appreciate it man yeah and like, congratulations like, like, on the record and the focus of it like when i listen to it it sounds focused and it looks focused and i like you on the cover of it and I like what it's just called ours, and it, it, the whole thing is cool. So, Thanks. congratulations on yeah, on getting luck. here, man. And we're rooting for you. Thank you. Same, same. Yeah. Um, but I, I definitely want to come Monday. Yeah, please. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll take get care you. Of we'll that. take Don't care of that for that. sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. All right, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, man. Hi, this is Joseph Arthur. Thanks for checking out Come to Where I'm From. Please support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash come to where I'm from. We are an independent podcast and any contributions you can make are greatly appreciated.